The bird uh, yes. is Iago, but yes. It's Iago. Oh, I was going to say, okay. was the bird's name Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> it was, actually. Jafar and his sidekick, <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. Within the first ten minutes, it just rips your heart right out of your ass. San Francisco. San Francisco. San, San Francisco, I believe. Oh, there we go. Job. I just love that whole like Buzz Lightyear like fighting Zerg on yeah, the moon yeah. and shit. Like that was my shit back in the day. Hakuna Matata, bitches. Hakuna Matata, bitch. And Scar is probably in my personal like top three Disney villains ever. Like, I well, think... he's based off Hitler, so it all <laughs> right. I was just saying. Oh, that's, yeah, that's and right. I like him too. So I mean. We... <laughs> Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, man. there is. An infallible way. They won. Well, it's a casino. People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica, or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line, that's a foul. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome into episode 18 of Film Tank. On this episode, we're going to be doing another top six list, our top six favorite Disney animated films. And uh, on this list, that will include Pixar films, so um, everyone who has Pixar films in their list, they're in luck because they get to stay and don't get kicked out. On this episode, we have the usual gang here, including Nick Cheney. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, okay. Uh, also, Tucson Egan here. How's it going, guys? You Urkel? What's happening nope, over there, I'm man? Nope, excited. Don't no. call Tucson Urkel. I've Don't call it. me Urkel. <laughs> I've done it quite a few times. <laughs> yes, you have. I get a quite uh, scorned look every time. Yes, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll know better next time, Urkel. And then <laughs> uh, Kenny Marcellus also here with us. Hakuna Matata, bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That was really nice. Yeah. Well done. Well, Two weeks nice. in a row for Kenny. Proud I like it. Rareful. On a roll. Yeah. So uh, if uh, you have not listened to our top six superhero episode, we all have our top six favorite, and we just go around kind of in a, a round robin and uh, say from number six to number one what our favorites are and uh, talk about them uh, a little bit. Also, um, Kenny and myself, our, our wives, made top six lists. Mm-hmm. So after we go through our six, five, four, three, two, one, whatever... I think we should say what theirs was on their list, if, that, if that's cool with everybody. Yeah. Okay, Hopefully. cool. 
And uh, apparently I've been voted to start, so I think we'll just jump right in. And uh, Oh, actually, before that, I, I want to mention uh, what we're going to do on our next episode. Uh, there was a kind of a reason why we did uh, animated features now, because next week, the new Disney Pixar film Inside Out is being released, and uh, we're going to be reviewing that next week on our 19th episode. And also, we're going to do our first listener mailbag uh, next week. We finally have a, enough... Uh, Yay, people listen. I, I was going to say, we finally have enough. We've been like compiling emails and things that people have said, and we finally have enough where we can actually have a mailbag segment. And if you have a mailbag, uh, or a ma- mailbag, if you have... Please send in your mailbag. Whole, yeah. A whole mailbag. <laughs> if you're running in, out of mailbags. No, please, please don't. <laughs> yeah, don't, please. don't send in a mailbag. Please don't. And if you if you find if you found our address somehow, that's an even bigger problem. So oh God. I tweeted it out like once, but I, I'm pretty sure I deleted it. Nick. But yeah, if you have any comments or if you want to send in your top six favorite animated features or review on Inside Out or anything, uh, you can just send it along to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, we'll add it to our mailbag next week. So moving on to our top six favorite Disney animated features, my number six I was just released last year, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of this movie, and it, it pushed some pretty pretty big movies out of the way to be number six. My sixth favorite Disney animated feature is Big Hero Six, oh. the uh, the winner of the best animated, animated. full length film last year because the Lego Movie didn't get nominated. That's bullshit. <laughs> Everything is awful. <laughs> well, there's there there really doesn't need to be anything more said on the uh, the topic of the Lego movie not being nominated, but Big Hero 6 definitely deserved to win I that still category. Have yet not to catch it. That's too bad. It's such a good movie. Uh, it follows really the Disney formula of something horrible happens and then the characters rise above it. Uh, big surprise there, big shocker for Disney. Also, this involves superheroes, which is kind of cool because it is, we talked about superheroes in our last top six episode, and the characters in this film, including Baymax, the awesome, I don't know what you'd call him, he's not a robot, he's... Marshmallow? Yeah, <laughs> marshmallowy robot, I guess. Um, he becomes a superhero for the most part, and uh, he's... He has a lot of resemblance to Iron Man, which is a really easy way to get to my heart, so that's okay. And yeah, this movie is just awesome. A lot of fun, good storyline, um, really fun characters, and a lot of a lot of good parts to this movie that you don't really find in too many other animated films, which makes sense since it was a 2014 film. It is recent. Um, a lot of interesting decisions, like making the town of San Francisco into San Francisco... San Francisco... San, San Francisco, I believe. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So it's a combination of San Francisco and Tokyo. Very ah, uh, okay. I had, I had to point that out for you because I knew you yep. wouldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> right, right over the head. <laughs> Just flew right over. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I was a huge fan. Um, it's not on Netflix or anything since it is really a recent Disney movie, and it's Disney. They're yeah. greedy little fucks. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> even um, though we are celebrating them uh, on this podcast. I mean, there, there's not the truth, much. Yeah. There's not much Disney to find on Netflix. Uh, there's the Emperor's New Groove and a couple others. <laughs> even that's about if it. you want to go, and I, I don't mean to get off topic, but I'm going to say one thing. But like, yeah, even if you want to just go and like buy a movie on the shelf like it's actually kind of up in the air like whether you would actually find it on, uh-huh. you know like in, the up in the air was a disney pixar movie up, up in a, the air 
Up was a Pixar movie. Up in the Air was a oh. movie starring George Clooney. Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Jason, <laughs> moving on. Jason Reitman. Shh, moving on. Just uh, forget I said that. Anyway, I won't. Uh, but it's, it's always like a toss-up whether you actually find him because half their movies go back in the vault and then the other half are just always – yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous that they always like push hard when they first come out and then they like somehow make them all disappear. Can you explain shortly the, the concept of the, of the Disney, Disney vault? vault? Because that just it's rings bullshit. very, very easy to explain. It's just literally a marketing technique where they'll release pretty much all their films. They'll release them like once every 10 years and they do it in like a cycle so that way they're always releasing at least two or three a year. Like mm-hmm. this year was 101 Dalmatians. I want to say uh, Aladdin with last year. I mean, you know, Sleeping so like, Beauty came out last year. Yeah, I, I saw that on the store shelf today, so it's still not in the vault yet. But basically, they release it, and then they leave it out for a while, and then they'll start to literally drum up the announcement that they're going back into the vault. What, so what does that mean? Like, it just that... means that there's no more production of them whatsoever. Okay, and they pull them from all the stores. So and they just burn them in a, like a mass like DVD grave, pretty much. So if you want Fuck one, them. you can technically always go on to like Amazon and buy off third party sellers for actually not horrible price unless you're buying uh, new. Then yeah, you're shit out of luck. But like yeah, if you wanted to buy like the Blu-ray of like Beauty and the Beast, you couldn't do that unless you go buy it from a third party. If the getting's good though, I mean if if Disney can pull this off. I mean, more power to them for having the power to be able to be like, you know what, we're just... And it's funny how uh, things go into the vault, and then when there's a a new thing like DVDs and Blu-rays come out, things magically start to come out of the vault again. It's so weird. Yeah, I would have more respect for the business model if it didn't reek of anything other than just... It's just uh, transparent artificial scarcity. Yeah. All right. I think that's the last time we should talk about the Disney vault on this episode. I'm sure, you know, it's Disney. We only have 23 more movies to get to. So, anyways, Big Hero 6, big fan, love Baymax, his character is awesome. Would you say you're a big fan 6? <laughs> okay. We're just going we're, we're gonna to skip past that one. We're going to skip past that one. That, 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 that was skippable. Okay, I guess I won't make jokes on this podcast. Uh-huh. Well, you can make good ones if you have any. So. Um, on Emily's list, uh, we made our list separately, but Big Hero 6 was also her number 6 on Yay. her list. She loves Baymax. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your pain? <clears throat> Zero. You have sustained no injuries. However, your hormone and neurotransmitter levels indicate that you are experiencing mood swings, common in adolescence. Diagnosis? Puberty. Whoa, what? He's one of her favorite characters, yeah. Um, at least from recent Disney movies. She's a big fan of Baymax. She loves how big and fluffy he is. Aww. So, yeah. big fan. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Kenny, you're uh, number six. Uh, yeah, let me preface this by saying this this list was a lot of fun for me to make because it. I went back and just like our superhero list, I watched all six of the ones I wanted to put on here. So, some of them were the first time in a long time having seen them, um, so it was kind of a, a revisiting of some childhood movies that I maybe otherwise wouldn't have watched. Otherwise, I, well, I do want to say shout out to uh, the local video store as they have <laughs> free kids' movies. So actually, a lot of these I was just able to walk in and grab off the shelf. and Free? Once, yeah, free. Like, like Are you free. in a library? <laughs> 
like free, free. Like there, there was no catch. And Do you have th- to be like a child th- to rent them? Though? No, no. <laughs> apparently, no. Not. But the, the only catch was feeling like a pedophile walking up with a, <laughs> with a stack full of kids' movies with no kid with me. Yeah, but actually, it would have been really weird if you uh, also walked up with a stack of porn movies too. <laughs> that would that, that would have been really awkward. Yeah. So. <laughs> So anyway, um, that being said, my my number six was a newer newish film. It was only two thousand nine. It's uh, up. You okay. guys actually were just kind of touching on it with that awful joke Alex <laughs> tried to make. <laughs> uh, yeah, talk about skippable. <laughs> anyway, it's um, it this this was a very funny movie. Uh, but let me say this: within the first ten minutes, it just rips your heart right out of your ass. I don't know if you guys, have, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but. Yes. It it very quickly tells the story of these two young kids meeting, and then they grow up through life. They get married, and they have like all these, you know, they have this big dream of going to South America to see this place called uh, what the hell? Paradise Falls. That's what it was called. And um, basically, before they can do so, she passes away, and it just really it's really a devastating start to a movie. But um, as sad as that is, that's not even like the saddest part. No, of that. Yeah. no, like what? Like it rebounds and it gets past that, and it it's got a lot of happy, fun stuff in it. But but yeah, then there are other moments that continue along that path, and it really was just like like I don't I I try to be macho <laughs> when I watch movies. Like normally movies don't get to me, but this one this one's tough. This one's like right Aww. up there with uh, what's what's the one about the dog that died a couple of years ago that everybody was like Marley and me yeah Marley and me <laughs> that's right like, Marley there's only been a couple of moments in my life where I've watched a movie and like really had to struggle to like you know that movie's mostly not about the dog dying it's mostly about him living right <laughs> <laughs> just dies at the end I'm just I'm just talking about the end but but <laughs> yeah, but yeah this, this was a this was a really good movie and and it's it's a you know, relatively new movie, but uh, it was very worthy of making my list. Beautiful sure. colors in that movie too, with the different mm-hmm. balloons and the. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the the species is because they made a new animal, right? That's it was the, the birds, uh, right? The birds, snipe, snipes. Yeah, yeah. just just beautiful coloration used in that film. Yeah. I was I was a big fan of that. And that little kid Russell, he cracks me up. He's hilarious. Yeah, this little boy scout. He's just trying to get that patch, that last patch for helping an elderly man. But yeah, good stuff. Jenny's number six was uh, Little Mermaid. Okay, which I actually I can honestly say I've never seen the Little Mermaid. You never seen well, it? No, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but uh, there was that X-rated part towards the end of that movie when the, <laughs> when the the ship uh, spears into Ursula and it stabs her through the uh, the midsection. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> kids were kids were a lot tougher back in those days. They could deal <laughs> with that shit. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, that was her number six. <laughs> Kenny's like, I literally have no idea what no, you're talking I about. I <laughs> really have no idea. She's half human, half Now you're going to want to go see it. <laughs> He's like, sold, no. me. sold me on it. Did I? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Nope. No. No? Okay. No? All right. Moving along. Yeah, Tucson, let's hear your number six. All right. My number six is Hercules. Hey! Hercules! Right. Hercules! Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm a nutty I a professor. I, I know, I know. Oh. I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, when I was a kid, I was really into uh, Greek mythology, so this was obviously like one of my favorite films. Obviously, this is a more sanitized version of a lot of the, uh, the characters from. So you're saying the uh, character that the. Uh... The band leader from David Letterman played wasn't actually like that in Greek mythology. No, he wasn't like. Hey, that what are you talking about? <laughs> um, like, I, I, I love the the voice acting in this, like Danny DeVito uh, playing Phil as the uh, the sa- the satyr who who like trains Hercules, and I love James Wood as uh, 
as Hades. And, I, and when I when I was a kid, I was I, I I always had this preoccupation with the villains from Disney films because I always thought they were just so much more interesting and, and multifaceted. And I was always so interested by their layers, like like the places where they call home. Like I always wanted like an MTV Cribs like version of like bad guy layers, just to like go around their place and see all their wicked evil shit. And Hades has, like, one of the best layers because it's literally, like, a fucking skull that, like, keeps the, 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 the underworld, like, 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 elevated. And it's just, like, this entire, like, like river of souls just, like, piling into it. And that's just so cool. And his two, uh, his two minions. Uh, yeah. One of them is voiced by Bobcat Goldwith, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's been forever since I've seen that, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wasn't Hercules the name of that kid we were supposed to? Oh my god! I uh, I really enjoyed the the fight with uh, the what was it the it's the multi-headed beast. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember I, his name right now. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's it's uh, god damn it! I'm gonna kick myself after after listening back on this. You but should. I, <laughs> I really like that 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 monster design. I love the the integration of 3D animation and yeah, the musical numbers were great too. Yeah. I listened to the song uh, Go the Distance like on repeat when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. That was like probably my favorite Disney song. Still have it on my iPod. Yeah. So. Good stuff. <laughs> Michael Bolton. Right? No. Who is it? Uh, who actually sings the song? Yeah. I, I think it's it. Roger Bart who, who uh, does the vocals for it. I don't know why I said Michael Bolton. It's fine. Never mind. It's okay. But Tate Donovan does the voice of the character, right? He does. All right, I'm one for two. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> he showed up in um, Argo a couple of years ago randomly. Hmm. Fun fun fact about uh, Hades, who's mm-hmm. got a terrific and wonderful voice by uh, James Woods. Yeah. Originally, that was supposed to be voiced by John Lithgow in a very really? mopey, uh, <laughs> Are you mo- mopey devil type of thing. I would and hate that. He even recorded all of the lines, and then they decided to scrap that and go with uh, James Woods instead. Wow. Good, good choice. Okay. Good, I mean, I, go, I love John Lithgow. I love uh, Third Rock from the Sun, but no. Couldn't I, see it. Yeah, James Woods is, is so much better. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So that's my, my number six. All right, Nicholas. Uh, you're always going to pull these crazy things out of your bag. You, do you have a pretty conventional number six or, or not? I just want to really quickly. <laughs> I'm sorry to do this, but Uh-oh. apparently Michael Bolton did record a pop version of it, so that's why I got confused. Okay. I'm not completely crazy. <laughs> so we're both kind of right. Yeah, we are. Okay. You were more correct than I was. But in, I, in the movie, Roger yes, Bard is the voice. Yeah. That is correct. Um, my number six, that's what we're doing now. All right. Uh, my number six is uh, <laughs> fucking diva. <laughs> no, I I got distracted by my Michael Bolton uh, tangent. Here. Uh, my my number six is actually the film on my list that I least uh, or I most regret not rewatching before I made this list because unfortunately I got swamped with some other real life stuff. Um, but my number six is Fantasia. Oh, yes. And okay. uh, this was the film that when I was growing up. I mean, I mostly saw it, uh, ironically enough, within the context of like a classroom like when i was in like elementary school in my music class she always used to show like clips of it and such like that they showed it in class oh yeah did they show like the final skit no she used to skip around and like only show like that's bullshit yeah (laughs) but i mean then i of course sought it out and Right. Watch the whole thing. It's and the whatnot. best part. Yeah. And um, this was a film, and I, it's one of those that I, I don't know if I can talk too much about it, obviously, now, because it's been so long since I've seen it, like I just mentioned. But it's still, like, it's it speaks to a time that I feel like Disney just will never, you know, be like ever again. I mean, no. it's so audacious as far as to just string uh, just these not very connected vignettes and uh, only really kind of 
join them together via classical music right. and um it's just one of the most it's like it's the kind of movie where you remember those images you know years after even if you don't remember the film as a whole and whatnot so i would love to see disney do something like that again i mean i know they not they i'm not did. saying in the exact whatever but just do something that breaks the mold of like you know throw away a narrative and throw you know and just kind of try to do something more uh I don't know, disparate like that. They, but they did do Fantasia 2000, 2000 which yes. was pretty good. But like, I, I see where you're you're coming from. Yeah. There's never going to be like a total out of left field, no. like artistic, like thing coming from. That. I mean, with like you, you know, you look at a film like Fantasia, and I think the reason why it would never get made today is because you can't look at it and say, "Well, how do you make a theme park out of this?" You know, like, right? You yeah. can't commercialize a, a movie like that. In I was going to say more than theme park. I feel like it's tough to, yes. to sell the merchandise. Right. I was tying that, that into Walt Disney. <clears throat> yeah, World no, for sure. I, I know what yeah. you're with that. Yeah. You can't. No, nobody's going to go out and buy conductor action figures. <laughs> there is, um, however, if I, I I may be mistaken, uh, it's not. Comp- Completely with it, but uh, there is a Fantasia themed attraction at the Magic Kingdom. I mean, now. I can see like definitely some kind of because I mean the music and, mm-hmm. and the colors that would I would think suit a ride and whatnot. But yeah, I, it's the you know it's and it's back in I say it got released 1940, um, and so like Mickey was in the movie. You know, like it just kind of for me it's like when I think of Disney, it almost like it's not my favorite Disney movie, but that's what I think of when I think of Disney. It's just this wonderful uh, marriage of great animation and terrific music and their flagship character starring in it too so apparently there's a a movie coming out that's adapting uh the the skit that i was talking about before night on bald mountain yes that's what it was there there's um i forgot about that they just announced that they are adapting one of the into a feature-length movie it's really fucking weird to me especially coming from disney maybe like like that was like one of the most controversial things they ever created during that time, and it's fucking awesome that they made it. But yeah, but I can't see that as a full length movie. Yeah. Nope, but that's Disney for you. Yeah. So I mean, as far as trying to like revive their old properties and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. it's so. But they got enough going right now that it seems like they wouldn't need to do that. But yeah. who needs original films? Not Disney anymore. Nope. Even, even, Not but, after Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> wah, wah. I'm sorry Jurassic to... World makes over $200 million without even trying, and uh, that's where it's going to go for This now. is going off topic a little bit, but it, it, um, Tomorrowland, I think the thing that really sunk that is how much they spend on marketing for it, and that just didn't work out at all. So. I did see that they're starting... <laughs> And I'm not making this up, but they are. Somebody posted on Twitter uh, a link to you can buy action figures, but not just action figure. Like I don't know if there's more or not, but it was an action figure of Hugh Laurie's character. From <laughs> wow! And I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, because if anything, like out of that movie, which does not require action figures, that would be the one character I'm sure kids would really. A, a character so. was on screen for all of like less than like ten minutes. So yeah, I just run. I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's the real thing. Well. There's another waste of money by Disney, so good job, guys. Yeah, they didn't lose enough just making the movie. Now. <laughs> They'll make it up when Frozen 2 comes out. Yeah. Moving on to number five. My number five on my list is 1999's Toy Story 2. Woo! <laughs> um, I was just a huge fan of Toy Story when I was a kid. Uh, my brother took me um, on the day before Thanksgiving. 
So uh, my parents were going to church, and they wanted to drag my, me and my brothers to church. And my brother Jason was like, do you want to go see Toy Story instead? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Good old Jason, what a badass. He, yeah, he <laughs> was. Especially when I was a little kid, I like, really looked up to him. He was such a badass. So we saw the original Toy Story in theater uh, on the day before Thanksgiving. Loved that. And then Toy Story 2 comes out, uh, I believe, four or five years later. And it's just such a fun sequel for me to watch. And this was really like the first sequel that I remember seeing in the theater, like going to see an actual sequel other than like Batman Returns. Like in terms of Disney movies, you know, this was, I, I don't want to say ahead of its time because they made sequels then, but there were so many straight to VHS sequels that they made, like The Return of Jafar and that shit. So, I remember that shit. Yeah. So a, a feature Toy Story, the second feature film, and it's just so much fun. Some of the characters in it aren't great, like uh, Kelsey Kramer's Stinky Pete. Some people love him. I'm not a huge fan. Just on the name alone, it's yeah. great. Stinky Pete. I like, too, how he uh, he had that thing about how he's never out of his box, and at the end, he was lying. That bastard. But th- when we see the characters that are in the original Toy Story, kind of what they're doing in this movie is, is a lot of fun. And the way that they involve Wayne Knight as he's part of the, the chicken man in the chicken suit from the uh, Elf's Toy Barn. That always makes Him and me his laugh. Cheetos. Yeah. Um, that's great. And there are two scenes in this movie that I always remember. One is when the uh, toys are trying to cross the street and they're hiding in the, uh, the, the, the cones. And they're slowly crossing the street and the cones and these cars are like driving around them and out all them. And that was great. And the other scene that is one of my absolute favorites in any Disney movie is the scene with the uh, the toy maker when he's uh, stitching Woody back together and cleaning him. And the way, the like detail that Disney went into for that little 45-second scene is just so much fun. My uh, personal favorite scene from that movie and from like pretty much almost any animated film I've ever seen is actually the uh, the montage of When She Loved Me with Jesse's mm-hmm. uh, character. Like That's just like even more so than what Kenny brought up because uh, I love that 10-minute uh thing in front of up you know like with that but that like little montage that three minute like destroys me more than like any pixar film ever well and that also there's nothing wrong with the one and up like, no because i one like and up is... i love that one that shows you how much i love the uh, the toy story 2 one yeah but it, it kind of comes out of nowhere like you don't really expect it it's in the middle of the movie and we don't really know that much about jesse up until then uh and you find way more about the the toy and the toy owner relationship which we didn't really know that much about it with Andy in the first movie because he's absent for the most part. Mm-hmm. But we find out a lot more about that in the second movie. And it, it just seems like the the series grew with the kids who saw the first movie and the, the themes were a little a little more adult in the second film. And um, yeah, Toy Story 2 was just so much fun. I it's was a big fan. It's like Toy- the Godfather 2 of like animated sequels. You know, like It is a movie that I like more than the original, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing that that they pulled it off that well. Yeah. Especially back, you know, in the, in the nineties, like yeah. that, that was, uh, you know, it was, it was something. Yeah. Toy Story two actually has like one of my favorite openings of, of the Pixar films. Cause I just love that whole like buzz Lightyear like fighting Zerg <laughs> yeah. on the moon yeah. and shit. Like that was my shit back in the day. Like I watched the, um, the spinoff cartoon that they made from Buzz Lightyear that I really yep. like. Yeah, the Star Command one. Yeah, that was pretty pretty. That tight. also gets paid off at the end of Toy Story 2 when he's yeah. like playing catch with them. He's like, great throw, Dad. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> fighting uh, Emperor Zerg. Like, that, yep. was, that was pretty cool. Which was a great way because that's kind of like what I love about that sequel is that it's almost – it's like – in some ways, it's metatextual, but it's never really winking at the audience because there it's aping one of the greatest 
sequel to all time, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. but then it still prepackages it in that like very kind of family friendly but still hilarious way. Yeah, and there is the other scene when they're uh, driving around the toy store trying to find Buzz Lightyear, and they're they're having like a tour being led by Barbie, and Ken is driving. And it's, <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous, and it's a lot of fun. And then the bad Buzz Lightyear gets into the thing, and oh man, this is good stuff. Yeah. Um, and on Emily's top six list, her number five was Lady and the Tramp. Oh, oh man. A movie I would have not chosen, but she likes a lot of the older uh, Disney animated features, and she is a big fan. So. Got one of the most classic scenes in all yep. of Disney with the uh, spaghetti. Yeah. yeah, that's, you know what, that, that's funny because that's... It's hard I, to do in real life, though. Have you tried that one? Yeah, with my dog, and he's not very cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the spaghetti. <laughs> Are we talking about the same scene here, man? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what movie you saw. <laughs> Eat the spaghetti, you son of a bitch. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, too sad. That's okay. Anyways, Lady in the Tramp, uh, Emily's number five on her I'm list. Sorry, Emily, That's great. for, uh, for, for... De- de- derailing her number. That's okay. I don't think she'll be that mad. I think she's just happy that we're talking about her favorite movies. Oh, man. Well, if she likes the older ones, she might like my number five. I went back to 1967's Ooh. Jungle Book. Okay. okay. And I had kind of forgotten. I remember liking this movie a lot as a kid, but I, I guess I forgot how many times I had watched it. And as soon as as soon as soon I did rewatch it, it was like the floodgates reopened. I mean, it's been... Well over twenty years, well maybe about twenty years since I watched it last, and uh, yeah, just just so many things about this that, that you know maybe I didn't appreciate back then, but I can appreciate more as an adult now. I mean, I'm talking more like along the lines of like in the animation, I, the the facial expressions that they put into these characters just kill me. Is like looking back at it now, like it's got that military style like elephant herd. And like some of the faces that they make, it's just it's just obnoxious. And um, the songs, the songs in this in this movie is what really was kind of like a uh, a blast from the past. Like the the the, the bare necessity song. Yep. Like I had totally not forgotten about it, but just as this movie was going on, like it just like I said, it was just like a tidal wave of uh, you know just nostalgia. Feels, yeah, nostalgia. And <laughs> I, I I don't know like. The, there are some strange parts to this movie. Like, there's like these drug-induced trances that some of the animals go through, <laughs> where they're like their eyes are like hypnotized, and yeah, it, it's, it's it's like a kid watching a Disney movie, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But uh, yeah, just real strong characters, and and I love the like the exotic setting and like the India jungle and everything, and just I don't know, just the character, the characters, like the voices that were used for them, I guess, is what. I never would have paid attention to as a kid, but man, those like those were legit voices back then. And and I don't know, I just feel like animated movies don't have voices like that anymore. Like in like a what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like like, like Frozen. The voices yeah. in there are kind of well, regular voices, right? They're regular. They or, capitalize on like just I would think more like celebrity name charming and quirky oh, okay yeah. Right. Well, yeah but i agree with it, you it's too. either like regular or like a younger like kid but like the older voices were like authentically like older it's a different generation of voice actors who like 
back in that time, they, they really had to like stretch and contort their voice into a, a caricature well, they, of themselves. And they tried harder, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> there was, uh, I don't know, it's just a little bit more creative. I back mean, in then, today's as... world, when you have like more, you know, uh, CGI and stuff like that, and you can kind of do more, I would think, with facial expressions, I feel like they. As much as, yeah, some, like, the film that come out today, which are still great, and I'm going to name a film that came out in the last five years soon, but um, you don't have to do as much with your voice because the f- yeah. like, they're rendering it so perfectly that it would be True. almost overacting if they did. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess the other thing that jumped out to me, I was always a huge fan of the Looney Tunes, and this was, this, this kind of, the way that they use, like, orchestra to kind of emphasize what was going on at mm-hmm. certain moments in the movie instead of, you know, and, and just some really dumb, like, obnoxious sound effects. Like, I, I don't know. When somebody trips over something, it's just like a ridiculous... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just gave me, like, a Looney Tunes vibe that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I genuinely really enjoyed going back and watching this one. You excited for the remake next year? Nope. <laughs> I know the uh, can't the, say I am. <laughs> I know the main voice. We're talking about uh, having voices and voice actors who are playing the character. I knew the two main characters are going to be voiced by uh, Bill Murray and uh, Christopher Walken. So this is a, a cartoon remake, I believe so. Oh. Mm, Man, not that I support it, but I figured they would do like a live adaptation or something. Uh, they, uh, why somebody you... already did a live adaptation. Yeah. Well, that was before the movie because yeah. that was with Sabu. There's a it's part of the. Eclipse series in the Criterion yeah. Collection, but I'm I actually s- used to watch that movie when I was a kid. Maybe yeah. it is live action. I'm not, but I, I don't even know how that would. I mean, that might be really dumb. I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, like Baloo and his like the those voices just were so recognizable. Like had I not been watching the movie and you just played like a like a soundbite of even that character like saying a different line or something, it's like Jesus, that's the dude from uh, from the Jungle Book. You know, it's just I don't know. That's that's kind of just how I felt about going back to this one. And uh, I guess I'll uh, throw Jenny's number five out there was The Sword and the Stone, which, oh. uh, again, I, I'm really <laughs> dropping the ball on my wife's list here. I didn't see that one either. I've never I, seen it. I hadn't seen that until a year and a half ago. Uh-oh. And when I told Emily I had never seen it, she almost died. She's just like, you well, haven't seen that? I was like, I, I, not have only seen it. I've never heard of that. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. so I'm not alone then. Yeah, I, no, I, I saw it when I was a kid like, okay. once or twice. Mm-hmm. I always looked for it as a kid, and I could never find it. But I actually watched it um, a couple of months ago with my my – uh, godson on Netflix, so yeah, he really liked it. I was a fan. I thought it was like, I mean, like most Disney animated films, usually I, I like them at least, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, but it's, it's not something I would have thought of. But well, I had so much fun making my list that I would be more than happy to go back and watch more of these that I've never seen because it was just, honestly, it was that much fun. Made me feel like a kid again. So, mm-hmm. Tucson. On to you. Uh, my number five is The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite Disney films. I don't think it's a, a perfect Disney film by, by any stretch of the imagination, but that was, I think, I, I can pinpoint that as the, the earliest introduction I had to uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, Sherlock Holmes. And it's always so endearing to me because of that, because it also has one of my favorite voice actors as the villain, Dr. Radigan. Voiced by Vincent Price. Yeah. Vincent Price is a badass. He's 
one of the best voice actors. That's actors one of the best Disney villains ever. Yeah. Um, I actually have not seen that in so many years or mm-hmm. whatever, but that's probably, speaking of the Sword of the Stone and now this, whenever I went over, it was like the Twilight Zone because I had all my like Disney VHSs at my house. Mm-hmm. And then when I went over to one of my grandmother's house, she had like all the other ones that I never really thought to watch. Like, I don't know if it's just that's, that's how bad her taste was or, <laughs> but like she just didn't have like the, you know, like the, the ones you would think, you know, so she had things like Sword of a Stone. She didn't and, have Aladdin. She had Return of Jafar. Yeah, and that, but the Great Mouse Detective was one of them, and that was the one that I routinely watched over and over and yeah. because it was so entertaining. And I did love detective stories, but also really quick, and then I'll pass it right back. Yeah. But that whole climax and the clock tower I know, it's is so just one epic. of the best Disney scenes ever. It really is. Yeah, it's like the uh, the the plot itself kind of like falls apart. It's hard for me to even like recollect like what, what the hell even happened. I was like, I guess Radigan was trying to like create some army of evil toys or some shit in order to take over London and Basil had to like, it was, it was funny too, because like it, it really was Sherlock Holmes on a miniature scale because Basil and his, uh, assistant and his, uh, maid took on the same, like, like, idiosyncrasies of like Sherlock Holmes and Watson and and in his his maid like even down to like playing the violin when he's really fucking depressed yeah. I love that um yeah one of my my all-time favorites you should definitely like dig this one up and and check it out cool man well, my number five, uh, before I say it, I want to do it, but I <laughs> it's have never to, a good start. <laughs> I have to say that this is my one cheat on the list because, uh, hey, but I, at least when I compiled my list, we can all do this differently, but I didn't choose any from Pixar before Disney acquired them, and I didn't do any Studio Ghibli despite the fact that they distributed them. But this is a film that was not quote unquote uh, created by Disney's in house studio, but I never would have, and so many other people never would have saw it unless Disney, uh, you know, distributed it. And it is uh, 1987's The Brave Little Toaster. This, Dude, yeah, yes, buddy. This is, I remember watching this, and it was a movie that I never owned, because you could really never, like, find it anywhere, but it used to come on, and this says so much about what it's about, but it used to come on at, like, midnight at, on the Disney Channel, because it is just so fucked up. It is, um, <laughs> it's, it reminds me, there is an opening joke in a Rick and Morty episode, when Rick is, uh, creating the little device, and all of a sudden he lets it go, and it starts talking to him, and he says, what is my purpose? And he says, you pass the butter, so the device goes, picks up the butter, brings it to him and then he just stops and he stares at him again what is my purpose yes and then he goes you pass the butter and then like the device all of a sudden looks depressed and he looks down and he goes oh and then rick goes yeah join the club pal (laughs) and that's this movie in a nutshell because this is like an existentialist nightmare for kids because there are two arcs happening. There's the uh, these objects uh, wrestling with the fact that they only have one function, and maybe that's it. But then there's also the whole, like, uh, did their owner leave them behind? It is just, yeah. The voice acting, I think, is fantastic. I mean, you have Phil Hartman doing a Jack Nicholson impression as the uh, uh, the AC, who... Uh, basically kills himself in the in one of the opening scenes when he gets so frustrated after they start bullying him and well he's kind of bullying them but yeah like but that's just how weird this movie is like it is so not for kids but it's not quite an adult film yet you know something you're a real bright little lamp oh thanks hey you guys really have an attachment for that kid don't you yes he was a master 
Well, that's real nice. And any day now, he might come romping back, huh? Just come whistling right back in through that door, and everything will be the same. Real peachy keen-like. It's, it's so bizarre, and I used to watch it all the time, and I rewatched. I didn't rewatch the entire thing, because where I was, I couldn't, that's the other thing. You can't find this movie anywhere, like, if you're just trying to find it in a normal uh, place. But I wonder why. Yeah, and, uh, but I did find a copy on YouTube, and I was trying, but that link wasn't working always. So I rewatched most of it, and... It was just so bizarre to realize that, like, all of my worst fears about it, as far as, like, how dark it was, were actually, like, I didn't exaggerate. It, it is just a profoundly fucked up film. That was, a, that was a very weird time before um, before the rise of, like, mainstream animation, because you really did have these guys who were, like, in this niche, like, industry, and they had to, like, th- there were certain things that cartoons were not allowed to do. Like, there was the... The time early on in in the the the, the age of, of Nickelodeon, like the heyday of Nickelodeon, where cartoons were not allowed to break the fourth wall because they thought it would fuck with kids way too much, so they found a way to work around that, and they started introducing like these really weird and and gross kind of themes into it. So yeah, it it, it really is an existential nightmare. It, it is. It's like if John Paul Sartre consulted on it on a children's film. There's a, there's a one scene when um, when the electric blanket, and that's the other thing is like all the objects have like characteristics that complement their actual, you know, like the lamp is not very bright, uh, you oh. know, intellectually speak, you know, little things like that. Uh, and the uh, the electric blanket is very insecure without his owner because it's a, it's a secu- oh, yeah. that, that's actually kind of smart yeah, I no like I mean that. that's I mean it's not like anybody's sitting there saying this or anything like that um, but what, uh, what was the vacuum's problem I can't remember what the, I forget if you I'm sure if you google it it sucks it'll, it'll t- <laughs> <laughs> it sucks yeah but there's a scene where the um, the the electric blanket who's voiced by either a child actor or a very good adult um, and he starts crying and like not just crying but like sobbing like you hear like a, a actual three-year-old would sob when he realizes his master is not coming back like there's just something so ridiculously raw about this entire movie that it's just hilarious that it got made and i'm so glad it did i watched that movie so many times when i was a kid but that was like that was where it stopped i haven't seen it since then so i don't remember much about it the only scene i always remember is when they're in the junkyard and that crazy magnets trying to like chase through the the junkyard the whole time there's after that. Them. There's the um, the tool press where like uh, oh yeah yeah where one of them is going to get pretty much smushed to Jesus. death. I mean the entire movie is just about whether they're going to actually survive and not just in like a peril way, but like whether they'll just give up and just basically accept their death or or they'll fight and keep Fuck going. Me that movie's yeah. depressing. Like all the sails over your head when you're a kid. Yeah. Like you don't you don't clue into any of this shit, but when you're an yeah. adult, it, it rocks you to your core. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fucked up. If you haven't seen it, I recommend. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I recommend uh, showing it to your four-year-old or so. <laughs> they won't know. Yeah, they'll like be fresh off watching Frozen, then you'll throw that shit on the TV, and they're just like, um, what? <laughs> oh, well, honey, he just killed himself because he, <laughs> he gave didn't feel appreciated life. by the other uh, objects. <laughs> that have one function in this universe, and when it's over, it's that's, over. That's right. So that that is my number five, The Brave Little Toaster. That was a good addition to this uh, list. I'm glad you brought that, Nicholas. Number four uh, on my list, uh, Tucson had it earlier, is Hercules. Woo! I'm a big fan. Um, this, for a while, has been one of my favorites. Uh, I've always kind of held off on calling it my favorite because it's not. But it, it always was, I guess, the one for me that 
not everybody loved when I was a kid. Yeah. Like everybody loved the you know, all the movies that came out then. Beauty and the Beast, na- name it. All those Disney movies that came out in the nineties. Not so much Tarzan, but that was like towards the two thousands, yeah. right? But yeah. that was kind of in that same ballpark with Hercules, where Disney was kind of coming off their really high time with animation, and mm-hmm. they moved to more towards computer animation and that right. kind of thing. Hercules, though, for me, is always just such a great movie in the way that it moves with its story. And also the way, as you mentioned earlier, the way it kind of it ropes in actual characters from the mythology, mm-hmm. and and even though it takes a lot of liberties with them, it has to. It, it absolutely has to. It, it is a children's movie for the most part, so right. uh, it has to, as you just said. And it's just it's just another. And I'm going to say this about every one of these movies, but it's just so much fun to sit down and watch that movie. Whether it be Pain and Panic, the uh, the one who's voiced by Bobcat mm-hmm. Goldwith is one of them, as uh, Hades' minions going around. And I love how when Hades gets more angry, his, his fire on his head gets right. uh, bigger and it sometimes blows up a little bit. And somebody blows out the fire on his head, which is kind of weird at one point, which is, is also uh, funny. <laughs> Danny DeVito's character is... Is a lot of uh, fun also. He's basically playing Danny DeVito. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. yeah. Even looks like him. <laughs> L- little short man running around, you know, okay, yeah. yelling, at, yelling at Hercules. Herc, you need to do better. Come on. <laughs> um, just so much. And I love uh, the, the kind of the start when they start with the gods and they start with... Um, I can't remember. It's, his name. it's when uh, yeah. Hercules is born. Yeah, and you're talking about scene. Zeus. Or yeah, Zeus and yeah. And, the, and the rest of the the gods are up there. Zeus, by the way, being voiced by Rip Torn is amazing. <laughs> oh Rip- man, yeah. forgot about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rip Torn is awesome. It's too he's... bad he drank his way out of Hollywood, but that's okay. Oh, oh, oh Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so Hercules, uh, number four on my list. I am a huge fan and. Um, yeah, I would check it out if you haven't seen it. It is on Netflix, I believe, now. So if uh, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, I would check it out. It is a it is a really, really good, fun movie that uh, it gets a little heavy at times, but like all great Disney animated films life, usually do. You know? well, there's not quite a, uh, a crying blanket or anything. But <laughs> and thank God for that, because I can only take one movie of that. <laughs> Uh, on Emily's list, uh, her number four was The Sword in the Stone. So, oh, is there an echo in here? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of crossover between the, uh, the the girls' list, it sounds like. It's the first time we've ever gotten a, a female perspective on the show. And, and it won't be the last. Yeah, uh, seriously, we need, to, we need to get more of that, which is a, a good thing. But it, it, it does something, though, that Emily's list, a lot of her list, is older Disney animated films, which... I feel like those older films, for some reason, connect with girls when they were younger. At least with my wife and all her friends, love all the old Disney movies. They could, they could name any of those movies that you know were from like when Walt Disney was still alive, working on animated films. The other problem with doing an episode like this, and I'm just saying this, you know, to be honest, is that there are so many yeah. Disney movies that I've pretty much I've seen almost everything that we've talked about, but yet I haven't seen most of these in so many years that to, in order to like do a 
do a list like this, like true justice, just from my perspective. Like I would need like a year's worth of preparation just so that I could actually run through everything that I know I've seen and some of the things that I haven't. But uh, this doing that, I'm glad we have these two guest lists because I it's making me for, uh, remember like movie that I have seen, like The Sword of the Stone and the uh, the other one that I, I'm blanking on now. But uh, yeah, movies that are kind of like outliers on the edge of our. Um of our collective memory. Well, like Kenny said, some of these movies, I mean, I've seen some of them, but I've, I haven't seen them until recently because Emily showed them to me. And, and like Kenny said, like these aren't ones I'd pick for my list, but they're, they're, you know, older Disney movies that are still pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. They're, they're different for sure. If you, if you compare the sword and the stone to, um, you know, Rick it Ralph going to have a little <laughs> different content there. But. Right. But I mean, I think that's the thing about rewatching the old one. That's why kids these days still do rewatch, you know, Disney movies from so many years ago is because they're all, you know, cut from the same cloth as far as like the template for, you know, like these stories and whatnot. And there are already timeless tales. I mean, like the sword of the stone and even the jungle book, you know, like these are based on actual, uh, you know, literary works and legends and whatnot. And too, if you want to watch some of the older, you get some things like pure racism or sexism. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, so that's, that's like an the un- Jim un- Crow's and Dumbo. <laughs> that's, that's an unfortunate, uh, byproduct of those times, but <laughs> I feel like how just like blows past, yeah, like he doesn't want to talk about yeah, it. I don't really want to talk about the Jim Crow's. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I was think, I, I was actually not to talk too much about that, but I was referring more to Peter Pan with the uh, the Indians. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, that was, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. Arabian Nights. Uh, that song was not yeah. uh, received well, and that was that pretty. wasn't that old of a movie though, Aladdin. No, that's what I mean. Like that was like twenty <laughs> guys, years guys, ago. Guys, we could sit here and have like a top six list of like top <laughs> Disney controversies, and we would not overlap or run out of any of them. Next on my list is Song of the South. And, uh, <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. What I wanted to say about the, the older Disney movies and why I, I enjoy them so much is because... You're a racist. Well, actually, no. <laughs> I am actually not a racist, Nick. Uh, <laughs> um, the reason why I like them so much is that I'm I'm one of those those people that believes that sometimes great art is made through great constraints, and that these the, I I think that those films are so beautiful just because like the the fluidity of the 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 motion of those characters on on the actual like like screen and the fact that they had to like draw every single fold and every single like twirl and it was so naturalistic. And the fact that somebody was probably cracking the whip behind them like 18 hours a day. No, you gotta do it again. Even more with the racist imagery. No, it's like that. It was a terrible, terrible like like uh, yeah. environment like making those films. But, but at, the, at the same, I'm, I totally know what you're talking about, Tucson. In right. terms of even though there there were probably uh, bad things happening, a lot sometimes. of bad, a lot of bad things happen everywhere. Um, People died. Some of the <laughs> some of the some of the things they came up with to make things happen in these movies, like the way to pass through scenes in early animated films, mm-hmm. they have these stills that are you know they're set up in like there's like there could be I think five six or seven of them, and they're they're on like two feet separating them on this huge scale. And there's a huge camera on the top that can zoom in through these things. And you can see how they did some of these early beautiful works in, in like the 1940s and fifties. It's, it's really amazing. That's some old of stuff. school Matty painting. I love yeah. that shit. I love it. 
But some of the, the, the things they're able to create on screen are in, incredible. Even like even we'll talk about a film that isn't an animated film, but like Mary Poppins, when they have the scene where they're dancing with the animated characters. I mean, that's just way ahead of its time. Yeah. So Yeah. Kenny, moving on to your number four. Alrighty, my number four was uh, thinking back to it. I thought it was going to be slightly higher, but then I rewatched it. And it's not that I disliked. Obviously, I'm putting it at number four on my list, but it's 1994's The Lion King. Mm-hmm. What? I just gotta well, say that's my well, number four too. So I, I oh really? I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like if we were to just get right back to me, no. uh, I would. I just didn't want to repeat myself. So I'm all on board. Um, I I loved. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, it. First and foremost, it's a it's a beautiful film. Like the colors, the 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 uh, the colors of the land that it's in. Yeah. Like the whole African, like the the backdrop and everything, and the sky. Like ninety percent of this film is like sunset or or whatever. The sun's going down, and they just they just paint such a beautiful picture of the the desert and everything. It's some of the most like beautiful like backdrops in almost like every scene whether they're at the caves or whether they're like right. out of the savanna. Also, Tucson has something he wants to say. That's actually my my number 4 as well. So this is just going to be a big I was going to say let's just do a little discussion about it yeah. then because we know what's on your guys list so yeah. we can all talk about it yeah. for a few minutes then. But um The Lion King is one of those films that I watched quite a bit when I was growing up. I haven't seen it since then, but I've seen like I've seen the movie several times. I've seen the Broadway play. I mean, it's just one of the most biggest staples of the Disney uh, I would think repu- no, are you? Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Oh. I'm, I'm totally agree. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were saying like, I'm like, really? No, it's, it's a huge staple. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the biggest phenomenons to come out of from, from that era, that's by like a mile the most popular yeah right yeah and um and for good reason it's one of the best forays i think for disney into like more adult theme like it's it's a movie for kids but made by adults like literally as far as when we come to like i mean one of the big obviously the most memorable scene or one of the most memorable scene has to be the stampede when you know simba's father just not not only dies but gets betrayed by his you think they had fun animating that shit yeah but when you (laughs) when you you haven't lived unless you see a a little lion cub you know paw at his father to see if he's still alive i mean it's not like somebody has to bring the news to him or something but you know he has to live with this and so i mean and the shame that his uncle put on him just just fucking hardcore yeah like this wouldn't have happened if it had not been for you and Scar is probably in my personal like top three Disney villains ever. Like, I well, think... he's based off Hitler, so it all <laughs> right. I was just saying, oh, that. yeah, that's and right. I like him too. So I mean, with, we... <laughs> with, with the jackals, with with the jackals marching, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like that. Yeah. You'll never go hungry with me. Oh, and his, well... uh, I gotta say, his song <gasps> "Be Prepared" is one of the best villain like pump oh, yeah. ups ever. Um, but I think that's actually one of my favorite aspects about The Lion King. There are so many Disney movies that I actually love, but like I only have like one or two songs that I really like from it. I feel like The Lion King has probably... Hakuna Matata, bitch. Hakuna Matata, that is, yes. And, but like, not you, just Jesse there. <laughs> it says a lot that that song, for being so iconic, that's not even nowhere cl- close to my favorite song right. in the movie because I, it's just such a good soundtrack through and through. Um, unless you guys disagree, but... Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you on the yeah. soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack of this film, every song, I feel like, when it comes out, I'm just like, oh, yeah! Yep. Right. Like, dance to it, start singing in my head. It's probably the only Disney movie where I still remember the words to all the songs, whereas, like, all the other ones, even some on my list that I might mention later, I could, it would be a little fuzzy, but I still know the words to, like, I just can't wait to be king. And... It's a, a coming-of-age story marked by 
by a very significant trauma. And I think that's really why, why it sticks with me. Like you empathize with Simba, like coming up as like a little kid and eventually has to like learn to like grow into like being a king, being a king and just like understanding is like, you know, like you have this responsibility and you have to go back and you have to do these things. So I always loved the scene um, where he's in the middle of the desert at night and he sees his father like up in in the the clouds. Yeah. Yeah. In the stars. And, And just the story that it tells like, you know, like never forget who you are. The great and, circle of life, right? Yeah. It's just that that like that those are major life lessons being taught right there. Like as a kid, that kind of shit sticks with you. I mean, at least the the hopes are that it yeah, does. Right. Yeah, those, th- those are words to live by. I think that's why the film works so well for kids too. Because if you just take moments like like the stampede or whatever, like that would be too heavy. I think if if that's your entire like tone of the movie, or whatever. But I, I read an article actually when I was in a psychology and film class back in college, where they talked about how like uh, depictions of death in children's film can actually truly like shape their mind as to like how it will be when they do lose somebody and that they they started to cite examples like the lion king where it goes like unfortunately that can be a negative influence because then they can start to think that they're going to see their you know dead parent in the clouds or something like that which but i i feel like that's actually the lion king doesn't get enough credit for how like i was mentioning earlier like how real it does get like you know what what happens afterwards that's up to anybody i mean you know who knows what their faith is or what their outlook on life or whatever but it's not like this film shies away from any of like the uh, adult themes yeah i remember that being around the first time of my life around that period where you actually start to formulate those kind of ideas like oh shit you mean people actually die like oh god mortality as dumb as it is like as a kid you don't there it comes a time where you realize that for the first time and i just remember around that time period like that's the first time i started realizing those kind of things i mean when you open your film with a song like called the circle of life right you know you have nothing but an obligation to follow through with that theme and to make sure that kids do realize that you know things pass and things return and that's the circle of life dude that opening scene jacks me up every time i watch it's so good is that the one where it ends on the drum beat and then it goes into the title or is yes. that the end of the film yeah. oh. no no that's well, it does I think both, it, actually. I was it does say, the start and the end. Yeah, yeah. Because, that, is, man, that's just so that good. That is how the opening right. does, yes. On a, so good. On, on a brighter side than the, than the whole death part of it, like, <laughs> the the characters that are just so damn goofy, the hyenas, which I always love that Cheech Marin plays one of the hyenas. Whoopi Goldberg is the <laughs> Whoopi uh, the Goldberg main, is yeah, one of the other ones. Yeah. That's right. Timon and Pumbaa. Why does Timon have a New York accent? I always wondered that. He's the yeah. New York... Uh... <laughs> Why do any of these animals talk? You want to keep pulling this thread? You want to go there? True story. True story. How, how, how far oh, does this this, this uh, conspiracy run? <laughs> that's the only one that stood out like a sore thumb, though. Like he's just blatant New York. It's actually a questions. common Disney what? trope, like taking whether they're personified, like especially with animals, like they somehow like attach like a very specific region to. No, I'm just saying, like I can't think of examples in my. No, no, I'm just laughing because you're talking about Disney making, you know, these choices, and I love how the uh, the the lion who lives in the African jungle, who is a bad lion, happens to also have a British accent. So yeah, that's but that's the thing. It's like they just yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. I love Jeremy Irons, by the way. 
That's right. Sorry. I just talked over your point. I really no, apologize I, for I that. No, I lost it anyway. So. Okay, it's all my fault, isn't it? How about Rafiki? He's a total crackhead. If you go back and watch it now, he is literally just like a hobo chasing Simba around. It's really yeah. awkward and Doesn't, strange. Isn't he voiced by Mr. Bean? Is that correct? He is. Rowan Atkinson yeah. does yes. the voice? I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. I know your father. <laughs> it's one of his more really? normal roles. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can confirm this here, but... Uh, yeah, no, I... Although I gotta say I know him as Blackadder, not Mr. Bean, because that is the superior British sitcom that he starred in. Just saying. Okay, I've never heard that. Probably before. the only one. What? Yeah. Well, then you don't read enough about TV. <laughs> I apparently don't. You have to send me some Zazu, stuff. not Rafiki. Zazu. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that did not I was sound say, like no, I, I Rowan Atkinson. But, but he does but yeah. voice the the bird. Right. right yeah. Right. Ah, the bird. Yep. That makes yes. Yep. I can R- see that for sure. Rafiki is he the he's is he the the, sh- the shaman shaman the sham shaman, shaman. Yeah, he's the guy who's shaman. breaking open coconuts. Right. And the one that yeah he's got doing the little, offensive war. Yeah, pain that's what I thought. Doing offensive. So yeah, number four for all of us. Yeah, so. I mean that's a, that's a very worthy title, I think, to share amongst some yeah, good, some I, good I, friends. I couldn't very well not put it in my list, but I thought it was going to be a lot higher, uh, just for some reason, I guess. No, uh, what was Jenny's number four? I get to uh, the rest. The Lion of King, <laughs> part, two. No. <laughs> part two, part two. There was a two, one, one and a half, and a two. Oh, yeah, there was a one and a half. Yeah, a, that's yeah, right. There was a third one. God, there? that's gross. Oh, boy. Um, hers was a spinoff of the DuckTales TV series. Um, what the hell was the movie called, though? Uh, you didn't um, write it down? No. I, <laughs> life is like a hurricane. No, I just wrote down DuckTales. Oh, I, I knew it was the, the movie format of it. Which, mm. again, I... You know, I... Race cars, lasers, those characters, airplanes. Those Disney characters always kind of drove me crazy, so it's no surprise to me that I never really saw much DuckTales stuff. What are they called? DuckTales the movie? Treasure of the Lost Lamp? That's the one. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I, obviously, you guys haven't seen it. I, no. I didn't see it either. never I really grew up with DuckTales, the franchise. Dude. Other than a video game I used to play religiously. Yeah, that game is the shit. Yep. Yeah. Well, I used to watch Darkwing Duck. Oh my god, I love Darkwing Duck. That's Disney, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll go home and tell but my, my favorite wife duck her number four was... Uh... <laughs> stop god, it. Stop. I feel so bad that I bought that for you. You shouldn't. Joke. It was and... one of my favorite movie experiences ever. And we're going to be doing it for an episode. <laughs> you so. still haven't let it go. No, I still haven't. It's on my shelf. Oh, okay. man. We're, we're doing it for an episode. Okay. Just saying. I'm, I'm counting down to days. Uh, all right, moving on to number three, uh, into the uh, top portion of our list. Number three on my list is Aladdin. Hey. Uh, growing up, this is in I like in the middle of my you know youth. Growing mm-hmm. up, going to grade school, when all these you know Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and Aladdin came out, I just remember being so excited about Aladdin when I was a kid and enjoying it and. I didn't like really get too much into the like kind of racism that was kind of happening in some. You parts never of the do film. when you're a kid. I, that's the thing. Like I, I never noticed. I did, it. but I, I ate it up. <laughs> Jesus, Nick, you are so awesome. I wish I could have been you when I was a kid. A lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> um, the genie obviously is the character that everybody always remembers for Aladdin. Robin, wonderfully Williams. voiced by Robin Williams, and. I may be the only person saying this, but whenever I think of Robin Williams, this is the first character I usually think no, of. No, it's, it's true. Like I, That's not even that terrible to say. 
when he had such a huge repertoire of of, of roles, like that's going to be one of the ones that jumps out at you because it's, it's his most prominent animated one. It's probably the most, I would say, like purest distillation of like who Robin Williams was when it comes to comedy. Like it was so perfectly because sometimes when Robin Williams, like if you just take that persona and you put it in certain movies, like it's it's just annoying. And I say that as someone who loves Robin Williams, but like that is the ultimate like catch all for what he can do and what he does well, and the perfect context for him to do it. Well, and a lot of his lines in that film were not scripted. Like yeah. they, he just pulled that off, and then they animated what he was talking about, and That's it turned awesome. out so great. Yeah, oh man, I love the lead. I'm glad you bring it up. It was going to be an honorable mention of mine. Yeah. It just barely missed my list, but dude, I played the shit out of that video game. <laughs> so did I. That game was hard. So man. much. That one fucking level that was impossible to beat. Yeah. Fuck that game. Oh, that one. Well, I oh you mean the cave it's, it's and you have funny. to avoid the uh, the yeah. boulders or anything? Yeah. I was gonna say uh, oddly, I know without knowing exactly what scene it was in the game, I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about because I that like that's why I was hooked on that game. It just was <laughs> addictive because you couldn't get past this one level. This is yeah. how you know Disney is gonna take over the entire world because we've mentioned <laughs> movies, film, TV shows, theme park. True story. No, no, not probably not the whole world until they merge with Google. <laughs> yeah. It'll be all right. <laughs> but um, this also. Uh, Toussaint brought up villains and characters. This is when I first, my love for villains, not in just Disney films, but yeah. in films in general came because of how much I liked Jafar for yeah. some reason. I was a huge fan. I wanted Jafar's staff so bad. Fuck I was, yeah, that's a cool I, staff. I wanted it so bad when I was a kid and my parents wouldn't get it for me. Aww. So I made one out of paper and tape yeah, and did. it was awful. That's but what we all did. At the same like time, you do. <laughs> at the same time, I loved playing with it all the time and I would you know, do his lines or whatever. And I really think that's where it started, where I really liked uh, the the villain because... I always felt like the villains, especially in Disney movies, had so much more. more. Well, that's fuck you, man. <laughs> no, let him finish. They have, say what I'm going to say. They have so much more depth than the protagonists yes. have. Uh, you know, there there are so much more you can do with the villains because the protagonists have to have this whole arc, and they have to have a story where they start off, and then there's a big struggle, and there's a love interest where the villains can just be themselves, and you can find out more about their characters. And I just uh, was a huge fan of Jafar and his. His his bird, who is uh, voiced by uh, Abu, no. voiced by what's his no, name? That's the monkey. That's the monkey. Oh yeah, that was the Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried, <laughs> yeah, the guy from the the Affleck commercials before he said that really bad thing <laughs> that we don't like to talk about anymore. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's a monkey, right? Is it a monkey or a? It, it's no, a bird. Are you talking about the bird? Or are you talking about the monkey? It's yeah. a bird. The monkey it's is Abu. The yeah. and I'm the, bird, the bird. The bird is, is Gilbert Gottfried. That's what I was talking yes. about. The bird yes. is Iago, but yes, it's Iago. I was to say, was the bird's name Gilbert Gottfried? It was actually Jafar and his sidekick Gilbert Gottfried. Yes. When he turns in, like turns into that snake doe at the end of the movie, that's so mm. fucking horrifying. Yeah, when you're a kid being like, "What <laughs> is that?" And you talk about um, young girls relating to like female uh, roles from Disney movies. Jasmine, I would say, is one of the more iconic from from the Disney movies. Yeah, I mean, just as far as I don't know what little girls look up to. She be doesn't want to be. be a princess. She wants to be an adventurer. She wants to go out and do stuff, and they won't let her. What is this voice you're doing? Yeah, I was going to say, what, are you trying to do like a Goodfellas impression <laughs> no. or something? No. Nope. Pop back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a princess. <laughs> <laughs> 
you ask for spaghetti and spaghetti and meatballs, and they give you ketchup. Ketchup. God damn it! You know what? We're just gonna skip that part. Skip yours. Mine was good. Yeah, my, I, I had the voice down. I couldn't get the line. God, fucking damn it! Okay. That's okay. It was a good try. You're gonna yeah. go Jafar in life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll, bail, I'll bail you out, pal. What was uh, what was that movie's number? <laughs> number Come three. for the movie. Stay for the puns. Well, no, wait. We have to finish that. Don't we, Aladdin? Or- yeah, I, I, I was just a huge fan of it. Yeah. It's a it's a formative movie for me, and to uh, the scene when they're flying on the magic carpet, um, and seeing kind of the castle and the way it's animated. I think that's something that you really can't get from the animation that Pixar and Disney Animation Studios does today. Is just the beautiful scenes you get with real animation and the way they were able to capture the moonlight in in an animated film is just incredible, especially to me. And that was something that I loved so much just a couple of years ago when Disney did the uh, princess and the frog and it was their, their only animated like true animation film they've done recently. And that, that was not a great movie, but it was so much fun to see, you know, people do animation like they did, you know, for so many years. One but, of- Go ahead, Tucson. Sorry. One of my my favorite parts of Aladdin, which is one of the most uh, unintentionally hilarious and kind of terrifying <laughs> things that they put in there, is just like it's it's really it, it doesn't hit you when you're a kid, but like when you watch it as an adult, it's it's kind of funny. Um, when they're they're doing the magic carpet ride and they're <laughs> seeing a whole new world and they're like diving. It's like a whole new world, and then Aladdin like takes her hands off her eyes, like "Don't you dare close your eyes!" I'm like, Dude, if she wants to close her eyes, she can do that. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> See, right now it's really fucking funny. It's kind of fucking creepy too. Yeah, I kind of get what you're saying though. About you know what I'm saying? I've never thought about it that way. Exactly. Yeah. But but here's what I'll say about that though. I, I'm kind of what you were saying because he's like giving this whole thing, like I'm this magical prince or whatever, and I'm going to give you anything you could possibly want. Don't you if you dare. fucking even think about closing your eyes. I mean, I, I'm with you in the sense that there are unfortunately rapey undertones <laughs> to no no, but to certain Disney. Two certain Disney films, but I've never, I've never caught on to that particular that line. I remember totally reminded me of a scene from the Jungle Book I was gonna mention, where yeah. Baloo is like rubbing his back on a tree and he's like moaning and groaning, and I'm like <laughs> watching it very uncomfortably. I was like, Jesus Christ! I, I re- How about scratching that old left shoulder while you're up there, Mowgli? Now, just a hair lower, there, right there. That's it. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, that's good. Kid, we've got to get to a tree. This calls for some big scratch. You're a lot of fun, Right on it. Yeah. That's delicious. Oh. Oh. Just a little bit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This is really living. 
remember we watched that scene in uh, one of my classes in college, and I actually called that out before. Nobody knew what the fuck I was talking about, and then we watched it, and it was like, oh, now we totally understand what you're talking about. The, the balloon masturbation part? Or no, the, the whole new world oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Hey, man, you go back now and watch some of these <laughs> movies, and you'd be surprised what your mind doesn't even have to be in the gutter. It's Isn't just Aladdin the one where they that there there's the rumor that there was the the word sex the lion, lion king. king the lion king okay yeah. cool we were on that shit <laughs> thanks man but yeah if if you <laughs> if you want to talk about the treatment of women look at some of the older princess movies like cinderella holy shit balls yeah uh, uh the, the the father of the uh the the prince who uh ends up getting married to Cinderella at the end of that movie is like saying, you can't marry, you know, you need to marry someone who's a princess or whatever. And the, 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 the Duke or whatever, the guard, the guard who's helping him says something like, well, he needs to care about his feelings. I don't care about the feelings, whatever. Just find a princess. I don't care. <laughs> not really the best, not really the best thing for pretty women, true women's to the source material. Yeah. yeah. But not really the best for women's, uh, and little girls, independence. Marry within your class. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. That's what it was. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah. Maybe. I think I think it might be onto something there. Yeah. So, uh, Emily's uh, number three was Beauty and the Beast. Oh. She's a big fan, and uh, Beauty and the Beast was just off of my list. That's a great film. It is a really good film. Another one of those movies that came out during my, uh, my formative years, and... Uh, Another villain that, although I didn't like uh, when I was younger initially as much, um, I'm a, was a big fan of Gaston. Oh man, he's you just one of the best. Fight like Gaston. especially in today's like climate of like uh, I want to say like just horrible misogyny. Like it almost feels, feels like to me like Gaston was actually a pretty pitch perfect parody of so many Disney princes. Gaston would be a male's rights male yeah. rights activist like if he was created. Or like nowadays. every single line he waggles his eyebrows like he's just like <laughs> yeah. swap as fuck and it's yeah. like no you're not. Can I also say that Why are you reading books? <laughs> <laughs> Women don't do that. Um, Literally, that's what he said. I know. I remember. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember. I, I'll say this though: for the uh, the Beauty and the Beast live action film that's going to come out in a couple of years with uh, Emma yeah, Watson, I gotta say Bell. that cast is pretty awesome, in my opinion. Here's: I was going to say this might be the greatest casting choice from an animation film to a live action film ever. Um, Josh Gad Dad being is, casted yes. as LeFou. I'm just like, like I'm yeah, over that's him. I'm over Josh Gad, and yet that's also like there's no actually, one else who could be. He is LaFou. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. But even besides him and uh, uh, her, and like they, that entire cast is actually, I would think, yeah, Luke Pat, Evans playing yeah. uh, Gaston. That's a pretty good casting yeah. choice. And what's his name uh, playing the Beast and the the Prince himself, uh, Dan uh, Stevens? Yes, from Downton Abbey, and now who does have that like regal whatever look? So I'm actually, I normally do not. It, I would say I'm excited for this, but I'm actually pretty interested just based on the cast list alone. But uh, yeah, maybe somebody will bring up Beauty and the Beast later on. Uh, might oh. be a spoiler. All right, moving on to Kenny and his number three. My number three surprised myself even. Um, I Surprise! I knew I wanted this on my list. I just wasn't quite sure where to place it. And then when I went back and watched it, um, I realized that this movie is uh, a lot more of the root of a lot of my interests in life than I had realized. Um, my my number three is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, Good okay. choice, man. Yeah. 
which um damn good choice forgot about that one i i don't know i guess i just never quite realized it it never dawned on me where my love of halloween and at christmas i feel like it's a lot more easier for kids to latch on to i mean you're just getting a bunch of gifts every year and whatever i mean christmas and halloween have always been my two favorite holidays but even more than that like i've always had this inexplicable love of like skeletons and stuff like that skeletons are cool man and <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that addition son i mean it kind of goes hand in hand with halloween but um i mean even down to like musically my musical choices and and things that i've grown up loving i'm i'm a big fan of marilyn manson actually and and watching this movie was like a marilyn manson video and i see where a lot of his inspiration has come from and um you know i have a i've got a tattoo for god's sake it, it's a it's a band avenge sevenfold i'm also another big fan of it's a it's a skeleton with bat wings and like I I I realized while watching this movie that a lot of their influences and when I, things that I like about their songs are pretty much derived from some of the arrangements of the songs in this movie. So mm. I, it was just wild to me going back and revisiting this and realizing how much influence this movie has had on my tastes throughout different things in life. So, yeah, I was very surprised, and it pretty much shot right up very high on my list so yeah i have to make a <clears throat> glaring um, uh omission and say that i've actually never seen the nightmare before i've never seen it in its entirety yeah i was gonna say i've seen part <laughs> but it, yet now that you just reminded me that it existed just because i never watched it when i was a kid i like out of everything we've talked about that's probably gonna be the next thing i watch yeah i mean i strongly recommend it it's very uh it's very dark um it's Honestly. got a lot of uh very gloomy not only looking scenes but just kind of some of the overall things that are happening in Would the movie. Would you say that that's Tim Burton's most iconic film? No. The first Batman. Really? No. Edward Scissorhands. Uh, yeah, okay. I can see that. I, I would say just purely on a level of what kind of uh, makes me think of Tim Burton as mm-hmm. what he is, I would say yes. Like okay. I would say this is... Because I, when I think Tim Burton, I don't I don't think Batman right away. I think of all these weird, twisted kind of you know. He's had a lot Edward of Scissorhand or really uh, good Beetlejuice or, yeah. or yeah. you know things like that. And this just kind of was my favorite of of all of his work. So I think for Tim Burton, this I was actually going to mention before I even talked about what is like you know what memorable you can remember from him. But this is like a movie, and again, I've never seen this in its entirety. But this is like what Tim Burton could do when he's doing good work. I've seen so much of him that's come out in the last like ten years. It's been horrible. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> don't don't go there. Don't even. I wasn't even going to bring that one up. Well, when he revisited these kind of roots, he made uh, Paranorman, which it's gotten pretty great reviews. Yeah, but I haven't seen. That's it. from uh, Leica, though. That's not that's not a uh, Tim Burton. Oh, I thought it was. Okay, no, it's kind of like just similar in the same vein as like of of no. computer animated puppetry. But this is like what Tim Burton can do when he he's really harnessing everything and putting out what he can do while putting out great material at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I would say that I just, like I said, everything from my, my love of Halloween to my musical taste to just like, just all sorts of weird things that I never knew where they kind of came from, where they were derived from. And now all of a sudden I, I kind of have a better understanding of why I am the way I am about certain things. So, this one was uh, not only a surprise, but it was kind of a, 
uh, an eye opener to myself. So I I love it and I would strongly recommend it. So as someone who hasn't seen it in entirety, would you say this is a better watch uh, around Halloween or around Christmas? Uh, definitely Halloween. Okay. Definitely Halloween. Um, it could double either way. Uh, watch it sure. in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just split the difference. I'd probably be the kind of person that would watch it towards Christmas because some of my favorite movies, like my one of my favorite subgenres, are movies that are not Christmas movies but Christmas adjacent. Things like uh, Die Hard, that or like what I mentioned uh, on an earlier episode, Gremlins. Is like if you just take place during Christmas time, but you're not actually it's not like, essentially about Christmas. Like Santa saves the day or something like that. Then <laughs> then I eat that shit up. Like Eyes Wide Shut. Actually, I love that because it takes place at Christmas time. I would not. Uh, uh, suggest anybody watch that. Oh, it's a good Christmas fun movie. It is. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there that there's connects that to Christmas. Twenty minute orgy scene. Whoops. Yeah, show that to your kids after you show them all these Disney movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the face that Alex is making of just object horror is amazing. I mean, at this point, some of the shit that's been said on this not this episode, but this show in general. I, Have you ever seen Eyes Wide Shut? No, I haven't. I, there you go. <laughs> go watch it. You'll know what I'm no, no, about. don't watch it. We'll do it for an episode. Because <laughs> I love that movie. God. So yeah, Ooh. Nightmare Before Christmas, and yeah. then uh, Jenny's number three was a. It's a, the first time my list and her list repeated. She had Up as her number three. She oh. loves that movie, and that's a. It's a. It's a like I kind of touched on earlier. It's a very emotional movie at times, and she just was bawling her eyes it's out. It's a tearjerker in the first 10 minutes, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and definitely at the end, too. Like It's just got some powerful stuff in it. And- I've been on record saying that I'm not a fan of the movie Up, and Alex is familiar with this, uh, this point of view for myself. However, I will admit that besides the opening 10 minutes, which I do love, the uh, I think my favorite part of the entire movie, a scene that I genuinely love, is at the end when they go to see his... Uh, what do you call it? The the he's getting the patch. Oh, uh, you know, like yeah, when, yeah, just yeah. that whole scene of him getting it and uh, right. and the guy. He, he shows there. up in yeah. place like, of the that kids. is yes, that Father, is probably yeah. one of the best scenes in any Disney movie. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, my number three, and this is probably one of the most indulgent uh, admissions to my additions to to my list, mostly because I'm not even really that big of a fan of. A, this movie, but I'm just a fan of this one particular element. Shut the fuck up. Let me have this, okay? It is Sleeping Beauty, okay? Yeah. And I don't give a shit about Sleeping Beauty. I don't give a shit about the, the three, like, 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 fairy godmothers. You know what I give a shit about? Maleficent. Why? Because she's the fucking best Disney villain. She has the best fucking costume of any Disney villain. And she turns into a fucking dragon. And she's got fucking <laughs> thorns around her fucking like castle, <laughs> which is the shit. That was a good message for, for little boys out there. Yeah, man. Don't piss them off. Don't <laughs> piss off the women. Look, man. They'll turn into a dragon and fucking murder you. Yeah. <laughs> she's fucking cool. She's got a cool <laughs> staff, too. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So really, your number three is uh, Maleficent. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not the movie Maleficent. <laughs> Fuck that movie. That movie is horrible. Look, if the I Maleficent could, movie was shit. I, I love Sleeping Beauty so much when I was a kid that if I went back in time and I told myself like, "Hey, they're making a Maleficent movie," it's like, "Am I directing it?" And it's like, "No, then I don't want to go go see it." <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's a little narcissistic. I was just saying, it's not like fucking Steven Seagal over there. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, am I directing it? No, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Jesus. Well, uh, is there anything else you like about Sleeping Beauty? Uh, um, no fucking shit, bitch. Fuck. <laughs> Maleficent. I like the part where she turns into a dragon. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess it's my turn now. Here we go. Uh, my number three <laughs> is my most recent film on the list. It's um, it is twenty. I want to say two thousand nine. I think either two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Uh, but it is a film Tangled, oh. which I only watched for the very first time uh, last night. And I um wait just your first time ever yeah because I it was one of those that I kind of heard good things about so I wanted to make sure I saw that one and then there was a few others but I never got to it that was just the one I chose arbitrarily but, I'm just I'm just asking because it's your number three and you yeah, just saw it your first time that's I crazy. absolutely loved it it is probably my favorite Disney princess film considering that's like a you know subgenre in itself you know right. um but it is just so good it is um I want to say it's one of the best I would say it has one of the best emotional undercurrents because. Because the central conflict between uh, Rapunzel and her mother, well, her fake mother, shall we say, um, is just kind of one of the more simple and um, easy things to understand, like, from a kid's perspective. And, yeah, that's also what makes it the most, like, effective uh, when you're watching it as an adult because it's really just about, like, children kind of outgrowing their parents' wishes and whatnot. So I got to say, I I had not seen this until yesterday, but it easily surpassed all of the... uh, computer animated uh disney animation films that i've seen which adds a vis- it's really only what wreck it ralph uh frozen and now tangled brave uh, no because that's pixar still oh, yeah. that, that's technically one of their tentpole films um but is easily their best one uh, in my opinion and there's so many great scenes like literally when, if i'm laughing out loud at a children's film because i even if i like a children's film i'm usually not like eating up those jokes or whatever but there's there's a scene where um the, the, of course, the kind of charming uh, male love interest. Great fucking name, by the way. Flynn Rider. Flynn Rider, yeah. <laughs> Except his real name is, uh, like, Eugene something. Like, it's very embarrassing. We won't, we won't remember that. Yeah, no, but <laughs> Flynn Rider is having a sword fight with a horse who has the sword in his mouth. And I love Disney, <laughs> and this is kind of, like, where this script kind of just is really fun. Because, A, it's just a really, I mean, animated-wise, and just watching it. It's, it's an exciting scene, because it is a sword fight. And yet, as he's, you know, clinking the swords around... He's like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. And so it's like the movie kind of does poke fun at itself. And there are so many great scenes, I want to say, like animated, like more beautiful than any Pixar film I've seen in most respects. I mean, there are some, obviously, that can't be touched. But there's a scene where um, you see like all these kind of light uh, lanterns get lit up and sent into the sky. And it's just there's so many great stuff like that. And uh, yeah, like I'm literally still processing because I saw it uh, last night. But I was kind of blown away by how they took a very cliched uh you know like disney princess whatever but they they made it new again somehow and uh they made it like one of their one of my favorite outings that they've ever done yeah i liked this way more than frozen yeah so you've seen it yes yeah yeah and i was a I, I agree with you that it is a funny and that scene we were talking about with the uh the luminaries right yes um and where they're they're floating away then you know you talk about beautiful scenes, and I, I mentioned earlier when talking about Aladdin how yeah. you can't really get that. It's different for sure than with the animation, but at the same time, it's just as awe inspiring. Oh, it's great! I yeah. mean, and, and there are so many funny scenes too in, in this movie uh, that are that are just great, and also the relationship between Rapunzel and uh, the the mother in this. Uh, this adaptation is, is really well done. And I also love, I agree with that especially, and I also love the this movie's resistance to, I would say, like, child uh, favorite characters. Like, if you look at a film like Frozen, you know, you have, like, an Olaf, which can kind of, like, you know, take 
the comic broadness to the extreme or whatever, but, like, none of the animals in this movie talk, and yet they're also one of the funniest parts of the movie, like her little uh, chameleon, uh, uh, Pascal. Uh, there's some little, like, facial expressions he does that are honestly funnier than just anything that, like, unfortunately, like, and I like the movie Frozen, but, you know, it's like, it's Disney not trying too hard to appeal to kids, and therefore it's kind of like them respecting their audience, so... I was a I was a huge fan of Tangled and I can't wait to watch it again, which is kind of like a rare thing for me to like when I think that immediately after watching a Disney movie. It was going to be an, an honorable mention for yeah. me, so I've uh, added it to my list of things to watch. I it's a really good one. I've sure. never seen it, but so, I'll probably check it so out. So that's what Mandy Moore has been up to lately. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but and, she was a good choice because she, um, besides the fact that you know she's got that kind of pop singer voice, it's not like she's one of the best singers. And did he never had, but it definitely fits that kind of like, because she's only supposed to be like turning 18, so she kind of has that like teenage whimsical to her. There's a there's a connection between Rapunzel and Frozen. Like, don't the characters show up at some point in Frozen or something like that? I've never heard. I think there I mean, is like one of those connections. Yeah, I've never. A theory. I, I don't yeah. know what it is in my head, but uh, that sounds like it could be. And that's the other thing I got to say of why I like this compared to something like Frozen, and I don't mean to like keep bashing on that, because I actually <laughs> like that movie, but yeah. I don't love it. But this movie, the songs are, are good throughout. Like, I feel like Frozen gets all of his best songs out in the first half hour, I and mean, then it's like, oh, we don't have any more left. But this actually, this movie, the the music throughout, and I think it was done by Alan Menken, who does almost all of, like, Disney's famous songs, and whatever. Um, it's really good. I mean, there's the one scene in the bar where everybody sings about their dreams, that it's just, like, <laughs> one of the catchiest, both visually and, but... Uh, uh, the song itself is just one of the catchiest things I've ever I've ever heard in a Disney show tune. So I really recommend if anybody's passed this up like I did uh, because they mm. thought it was not their cup of tea, try it out because it is really funny and um, and just very very good. Uh, I also wanted to mention really quickly something about this. We talked about uh, characters not having great voices, where I feel like this film has a, has a, quite a few that were actually pretty all incredible this, choices like yeah. ron perlman ron, doing, yes. perlman ron perlman doing a voice all the supporting character. characters are so perfectly casted uh him brad garrett is jeffrey also, tambor yes paul uh, f tompkins yep. shows up and also um richard kyle <laughs> from happy him, gilmore from, from happy gilmore the guy who has the uh the, the nail, the nail in his head. head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that I, I didn't even know that so. uh, i'm looking <laughs> at the cast right now the dude who played chuck yeah, That's he's like my he all time favorite Ra- TV show. Oh, you love Chuck? Yeah, Chuck is, I love well, if you like show. him, then I mean, if you like Chuck, then you'll definitely like this because I wouldn't say he's playing Chuck, but he definitely right. has that kind of dorky sense of humor. Yeah, what, him, so. everything you like about Chuck. Yeah, yeah cool. he's, it's like them. It's like if Chuck was a prince, that's what he would look like, basically. Huh. So it's uh, it's very very good. Cool. We talk about Zachary Levi. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Zachary Levi is the guy. Yeah, he plays Chuck and Flint Rider. Um, if I remember correctly, Zachary Levi uh, plays a side character in the second Thor movie. Really? And he replaces another character, uh, but he, he's the same playing the same character. He right. replaces another actor playing like, that. What's his name in Iron Man? And yeah, yeah, but. Nobody knew that he was different until <laughs> afterwards. And I'm like, you know, that guy looked kind of... Oh, it was somebody else. Oh. I got to admit, I'm surprised Zachary Levi got this role. Simply just because... Although, I guess, if they were looking to like at Mandy Moore, because she's not like she's that popular anymore or whatever. Really? <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just surprised because 
in the sense that, A, he's really good for it, because I love Chuck as well, so I was I think he's actually a perfect fit for it, but I'm kind of surprised now also that like he hasn't done anything after this, because that was another reason why I thought maybe it wouldn't be good, because I'm like, oh, well, Zachary Levi didn't go on to do much after it, but actually, he's, he's very good in it, and now I'm kind of surprised he's not a bigger star, but mm-hmm. whatever, I guess that's Hollywood for you. You just gotta make another Jurassic Park, and <laughs> that's, what, that's what we'll get greenlit. Hey, you take it easy now. <laughs> Jurassic World has turned into like, the biggest movie in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know where this came from either. By the way, I'm honestly shocked. How People big love bad. dinosaurs, apparently, and that's why uh, the Pixar is going to do it too. Yeah. The good dinosaur, which they recasted the entire movie. Did you hear about that? No. They did. Yeah, like I don't know if it was the entire movie or virtually the, but they pretty much almost fired everybody and like I don't I don't know fired but they have yes they have recasted the entire film just like bigger names or? I don't know I, I literally that's the only that's the headline I read it, and it wasn't just one rule it's like they actually went through and damn you Nick falling into 2000 and uh 2010 culture here of just reading the headline and saying you read the whole article. Well, I didn't that's what that. I saw. I read the headline and I that's, saw that's what that, it was. That they re- well, <laughs> yeah. Then I saw people discussing it yeah. and they were mentioning the fact that it wasn't just one person or whatever. Oh, it was okay. like an actual like exodus of people leaving that movie <laughs> an and more and other people <laughs> signing up. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah. Huh. Interesting. So anyway, that my number three, three. was Tangled and it's very good. I agree with you. And I think everybody should see it. Moving on to number two, uh, a film that got talked about a little bit uh, earlier by you guys is The Lion King. Ah. Uh, it wasn't on my, I would have put it on number four if I would have I know, you really, you dropped the ball on that. I really did. Well, I guess there's not much more to say about it. Let's move on. <laughs> Kenny, what was your number? <laughs> I still have to give Emily's. Come on. No, <laughs> there are a couple of things I just wanted to mention really quickly about The Lion King. I already mentioned the opening scene, how much I love that going into the opening title card. Phenomenal. One of the best, I mean, that's one of the best opening sequences in a movie for me, let alone an animated Disney feature. Um, the casting of both James Earl Jones and Jeremy Irons is just wonderful. And they play these two larger than life lions in this movie, and they perfectly encompass the voice that they needed to have. I mean, a fucking Darth Vader is, as is, is Mufasa's voice. And then Jeremy Irons and his wonderful British voice. Um, who for some reason is playing Alfred Pennyworth in that god-awful <laughs> Batman vs. Superman movie. Really? That's right. Oh. Yeah, that's too bad. Just like every other casting choice from that, very uninspiring. Everything I hear about it just hey, makes me sad. Hey, Donald Trump says that Ben Affleck is going to be a good Batman. Well, Shut good the f- fuck up, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. That's why I'm not voting for him for president. <laughs> 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 But like Kenny said, though, there wasn't really much more to say. We did discuss uh, get, discuss it uh, in pretty good length earlier. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of The Lion King. Well, Growing up, it was... Let me ask you this, just oh, okay. to interject a little more here. You're, yeah. For, for as much talk as I put out about being a theme park fan on this show, I am actually... Uh, the one area I lack horribly in, in theme parks is Disney. Good I luck don't... finding a Lion what? King at a, at a Disney World. Well, my question, my question is this: the Animal Kingdom down at Disney World. How much? Because that park opened somewhat around the same time, correct? It was a little no, later, it was yeah. like ninety-seven or ninety-eight. Well, right, but when the I film came there. out. How much of that park is actually kind of? Because uh, I know they got the Tree of Life and everything. Like, how much of that park is actually? kind of uh, modeled after this very film. little I was going to say like as somebody who was the prime age to go see the Animal Kingdom I think I went the year it opened or something like that 
as and not that I have like I would say a vivid memory of everything we did at Disney World or anything, but I if there was a connection to the Lion King, I barely saw it because it didn't seem like anything other than like a safari park. The right. Lion King has been for Disney. At least, I mean, I, I don't remember Disneyland. I only went there once, and that was ten years ago. Been to Disney World quite a few times, and The Lion King is one of the movies that, for some reason, even though people genuinely love it, that's a movie that Disney has chosen not to really do anything with when it comes to attractions. Seems like a like a horrible missed opportunity. Not not like not like the Animal Kingdom hasn't been a success. I just no, but if you I, just I think like... about the biggest set piece in the movie, how right. could you not make a, yeah, a ride out of a stampede? I mean, that's just common <laughs> sense. Well, and and that it's such an iconic thing the uh, the rock that they're yeah. What, what's, what's it called? Uh, I know what you're talking something about. Rock. The... Uh, how, how can you not have that in in your animal kingdom? Like that that just seems like a like a blown opportunity. And yet they have Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in there. <laughs> no, they don't. Oh no, no. I was thinking it was that uh, was at Epcot, and that's oh, gone. That's... Oh, sorry. Uh, I was the... thinking of that only because they had the little rats that come out. No, oh, yeah. not not literally. But the only yeah. uh, attraction, that I believe, other than that stupid dinosaur thing that they have, that they changed it from an awesome name, which is Countdown to Extinction. Now it's called Dinosaur. What the wow. hell is that shit? Here comes uh, the Velociraptor. Dinosaur. <laughs> um, the there's not a lot of theming at the Animal Kingdom Park that involves Disney films, at least from what I remember. I haven't been there in like yeah. six years. Yeah, I, I've just I've never been there, so I, I figured the, the main attraction is is uh, the Everest. The uh, well, that the um, I'm talking about the the when when the park opened in '98, oh, the main attraction was the uh, the Bugs Life attraction and oh, the yeah. Tree of Life. Right. Which, if you think about, that's, that's right. the one theming that they've used there. And that's what they went with was a yeah. Bugs Life. <laughs> I mean, I like that film yeah. a lot actually, but that's like one of the most obscure yeah. Disney movies. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there's just not mu- not a lot there, and I'm kind of agreeing with you that. That that seemed like a home run, and they just decided I mean, they have a to Broadway skip that. play based on it, and yet they can't actually commercialize it for shit. Apparently, besides like in that avenue, yeah. So nice work, Disney. I yeah. give my money to Universal when I go down there. Fuck them. Hakuna Matata. We could have, we could have a whole five hour episode about how Kenny's oh yeah. views on Universal versus Disney, even though he's actually never been to Disney World. <laughs> no, I, I've been there. I've been there a couple times. I just never. <laughs> I was just been drunk the... the whole time. <laughs> I had just never been to the Animal Kingdom. So. Oh, okay, you can skip it. Animal Kingdom's not that great. I agree. All right. All right. Uh, uh, but better get Emily's number two. Uh, I don't want to forget about it. Uh, her number two uh, is The Little Mermaid. Oh. She loved The Little Mermaid growing up. Under the sea. Under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually remember the words. That's okay. You actually were pretty close. I was going to Just kind of something. I knew if I mumbled close enough, it would sound good. Going like back this. to like hidden imagery in that film, I'm not so much talking about the film. But Are we talking about Lion King or Little Mermaid? About Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Okay. Yeah. The like, boobs? Well, not the boobs in, uh, <laughs> well, in, in Little Mermaid. I'm talking about me. how like on the the original cover art for uh, The Little Mermaid, for the poster, apparently there is one of the towers of, of King... Oh, yeah, the King penis? Tr- yeah, the penis. I remember the penis. Yeah, that, yeah that's... <laughs> yep. there, there's penis in the... Gold penis in the background. Circumcised like, and everything. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why they did their, that. Uh, their lists actually overlap quite a bit. I yeah. think it's like the second or third one. I was going to say, it's not... I don't think it's just them. I know Emily's friends who are who are who happen to be girls love these these Disney movies. And Little Mermaid is the one that seems to be a unanimous choice, but among a lot of girls. Especially growing up then, because that was... What was that? Late 80s that came out? Early 90s? I mean, that was yeah. right around... Right before like the golden age in yeah. the 90s of Disney animation. But The Little Mermaid, I think for a lot of girls growing up, that they loved Ariel's character and they liked the story. And I, I like it too. I think it's a good, yeah. fun... I don't, it's obviously not one of my favorites, but it still is not like a bad I mean, movie. the whole story is supposed to be... Because I haven't seen it in so many years, but it's really about a woman fighting against like a patriarchal mm-hmm. kind of oppression in some way when it yeah. comes to her father yeah and but also from what i remember it also kind of humanizes him in a way because i feel like by the end it's not so much that she defeats him but that he realizes why he was wrong well he i, I genuinely don't remember if we're gonna spoil the end yeah, for the audience we can. spoil the ending of the little mermaid which has been out <laughs> yeah. for a while now so and it's alert. not really a plot heavy film also uh, mufasa dies and- <laughs> Like, damn. Let's just dogpile it all there. That's fine. Um, Yeah, in Little Mermaid, Ursula gets all of the power that from her fa- from Ariel's father because the she's Titan. she's going to die right. if he doesn't give up his power. So, yeah, something happens though. That's kind of a weird. Like I mentioned earlier about her getting stabbed by the boat. It's kind of a weird how that whole thing happens <laughs> because. The, if I remember correctly, there's no real explanation of why they're able to defeat her. It's just this big boat sails into her and stabs her, and then she dies, and that's it. <laughs> so, hey man, shit happens. That's <laughs> amazing. I guess that's the 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 movie's message: is shit happens. Ariel manages to become a princess by the end. Yay! No, Ariel manages to um, like 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 you were saying, Nick. She manages to like outgrow the the influence of her father and she signs a pact with Ursula that allows her to become a human but also takes away her voice. Yes. So I don't know what kind of message that's really? supposed to Yeah, it takes wow, away her it's voice. Been a while since yeah, I've she seen can't it. she can't talk. She has to make the prince <laughs> fall in love with her without using her really beautiful easy voice. way to do that. Uh, <laughs> wow. You I, uh... Yeah, yeah. I can make a lot of bad jokes right now. <laughs> I know, yeah. But I won't. But I, well, I don't remember that at all. That's weird. I know, yeah. It's... Maybe because I blocked it out of my memory. Yeah. But no, but the, the Little Mermaid is often cited. Like, that and Aladdin are the two that I never particularly, when I was growing up, uh, responded to. But out, outside of uh, a few other core movies that we might talk about later, but, like, those are definitely in, like, I would say, like, the top five of, like, most popular yeah. uh, that I always hear about. Yeah. And her name's Ariola. No. Ariel. Ariel. <laughs> oh, boy. Kenny. Yuck, 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 yuck. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Kenny. Let's move on to your number two. My number two Keep it PG. is the first Toy Story. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's, a, it's a heavy yeah. hitter for me. It's a, oh, man. I love this movie because it pretty much, uh, it pretty much perfectly embodies like I don't know. At least I, I feel like most uh, young boys' lives. I mean, when, I I don't know about you guys, but like when I was a kid, I was a young boy. Did you, did you play with a lot of toys when you were when you were growing up? <laughs> yeah, and you wanted them. Well, to, what I kind did. of a fucking question was that? No, that, when no I, but when, my, my point is like it, you wanted them to come alive, right? Right. Like yeah. there's so many simple things. Like when you leave the room and like you come back and shit's not where it was, and you're just like somebody shit on your bed, and you're like, what's what? <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> You dick. 
man. Anyway, continue. Good, continue, Kenny. Kenny. I'm sorry. Don't let this guy ruin this for you. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had that untapped imagination. Right. Th- this movie is just pure, raw, like, imagination. And, and I can only imagine that for the writers of this movie, it just... It, it just had to have been so much fun. Like they, they so so many times they would take, you know, they they just needed to fill a part of the story. So what do you do? You just create a new toy. Like just pick something out of a kid's room and and that plug it in and use it for part of the story. Like, but but the use of actual toys, like the Green Army Man, well, but yeah. Mr. Potato. But head. that's what I'm saying. Like something so simple as the little toy soldiers going downstairs to yeah. spy on the new presence. They just took a walkie-talkie, like just another toy laying around the room. Or like when they were climbing down the stairs, they were using the little monkeys in a jar. Like, yep, just a speaking spell, right? Yeah, just just look around a kid's toy room and and just make a story out of it. Like but, that's just so much fun that I don't know. I just I could I I never get past that for sure. Toy Story is honestly like Pixar in a in a nutshell as far as taking these ideas. Their first like, film. Yeah, well, but what I mean as far as when it comes to, like, their themes is is, is when it comes to, like, how, like, it's almost like the idea a child would come up with, and that's what makes it resonate with children so well. But I also want to say, I feel like Pixar does not get enough credit, and it goes all the way back to the very first Toy Story, uh, for, shall we say, making more... uh, I would say adult pleasing children's movie. Like there have been a lot of Disney movies that totally work for adults and everything like that. But it wasn't until Pixar really started to like start to slyly include jokes. I mean, when I was a kid, I did not understand. And I saw uh, Toy Story. That's literally one of the first, if not the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. Mr. Potato Head takes his mouth yes, off and was, sticks it on his rear end. I mean, come on now. That's actually the exact joke I was going to say. So, But that's the thing is that that's a joke I never understood when I was a kid but it also just goes by in a way that children don't realize what they're missing and, and when they, he's begging for Mrs. Potato Head yeah like, what I can dream can I yeah <laughs> and so there there are so many moments like that that Pixar really started to, to catch on that you know if a child is going to go see a movie in a theater a, a parent is going to take them so therefore you need to kind of do the best of both worlds and what that makes is it makes a movie that basically you'll you'll love for the rest of your life because yeah. you'll always be able to get something out of it yeah. so and I just, yeah, I was just saying, I, I don't think they get enough credit for that because I don't think it was until the introduction of like Toy Story because we never saw things like, and I'm not even saying this is that good, but like Shrek or other animated comedies that really try to uh, mix in adult humor uh, with a children's kind of storybook. Definitely. And and Sid, like what kid, like when you were a kid, tell me you didn't know a Sid. Like there was always the one asshole kid down the street or Tucson. in school or somewhere. What? <laughs> I was not Sid. Somebody, somebody that would take toys apart and put them back together the, the wrong way. Or no, actually, I realized I, I rewatched Toy Story the other day. Apparently, I was a Sid because I wore the same clothes every day, and I love Pop Tarts. So, <laughs> yeah, but Sid was like on a path to be like a like a serial. Killer. Yeah, like he was blowing stuff up and the, like. I gotta say, the best line in that movie for me is when uh, Buzz Lightyear says something. I don't remember the exact line, but he's like, "I don't think that." kid has yeah. a medical license. I don't believe that kid's ever been to medical <laughs> yes. school. Yeah. yeah. It is so good. For sure. Um, and, and it also kind of, like, another Sid scene, uh, it's a it's a throwback to being a kid and remembering a time when you didn't have, I mean, I guess we had video games growing up, but, like, there's the scene where he wants to put Buzz Lightyear on the rocket and launch him off, but then it starts to rain, and he's just, like, 
utter disappointment because it's raining and his plans have been foiled and now he just has to find something else to do. Now like i got to go on Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what I'm trying to say, though, yeah. is bef- like he doesn't know, do that. Yeah. He has to just yeah. find something else to do, and, right. and that's just such a, like, holy shit. Like, I can't even imagine that nowadays. Speaking of Sid, uh, that is the most unreal claw machine ever, by the way, <laughs> where it has Buzz Lightyear's head and all the toys are pulling on him and it yeah. still gets Buzz out of there. It's what like, the hell? Wait a minute. Usually when I pick something up, it falls after, like... Right, and that's without point. other right. toys latching <laughs> onto it. What the fuck is this shit? This is what I'm saying. This is bullshit. Yeah. What the fuck? Pixar? Pixar totally gave me unreasonable expectations <laughs> when it came to claw games. Yeah, it was all a conspiracy. They're all trying to get you to use your money. And uh, uh, just feeding off of that, like Pizza Planet, when when you were a kid and you ever go to like uh, whatever Chuck the equivalent, yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. They have one of those at Disney World. Pizza Planet? Yep. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I got to say, when I rewatched it, because a couple weeks ago, I was kind of astounded how good the animation is. Like, I always knew that Pixar is obviously fantastic, but I forgot that their very first film was, like, still to this day, breathtaking in some of the certain scenes. I mean, there are certain scenes, like, when they're at the gas station, it's very clear that, like, the background is pretty, I would say, bare. You know, like they're not trying to, not in a bad way, because it was like 19, what, 95? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. Yeah, but like <laughs> when you look at a scene like the, the Pizza Planet and those right. lights and every single video uh, screen is going off on their own, like I just, there are certain scenes like that that completely blew me away. And that's, this is in the year 2015. Well, and, and I remember you watched it a few weeks ago because you did it in a week in review and, yeah. and a scene that you talked about not liking that was one of my favorites is the, the remote control car when they're chasing down the moving truck. Yep. And there's a, there's a part of that scene where they it shows it from overhead and you just see the tiny little car going down yep. the street and all the cars <laughs> going around and like that shit was, I, yeah, like the animation's awesome. Like I was alive for it and I saw it in the theaters and yet I still don't believe that they had that technology back then. It, it just blows my mind. Yeah, especially if we're just going to talk about that scene, uh, you talk about when they throw the car uh, back into the, into the, in, truck. Into the yeah. truck and all the other toys run out of the way and it runs, runs into Mr. Potato Head <laughs> yeah. and he explodes then and then his hat falls right back on his feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like in terms of in, in 1995 when you talk about where like personal computers were in 1995 mm-hmm. that people were able to am- animate that on a computer that to that detail and make it look that good is really incredible. Yeah. That was really the uh, the era when like like computer animated like cartoons were just in their infancy. Like we have like the first um, computer animated like cartoon series, which is Reboot. That was made in Canada, and then we have like things like Beast Wars. Those are the two that I can like point to. And then we have like Toy Story, which blows both of those out of the water. And I'm just like, what the fuck? The the one scene in which it's not even that I would say detailed, but the one scene in which I want to say like. I don't know if it's Buzz or somebody, but it's like looking at Woody, like in an up close shot, and like you just see like the gleam off of his eye. Cause, uh, are, are you talking about when Buzz is looking, looking when he like first gets open? Yes, and he's on the bed, but he still has his visor down, yes. and you can like see his reflection of his face while because, he's still looking out. I yes, mean, that scene, and Woody's not even moving yet because he's still pretending to mm-hmm. because Andy had came in or whatever. And even in that scene, when there's not even that much movement, it's so wonderfully detailed that, like, Andy's room, I remember it being as a kid, like, that was a, a set, and that was, like, you know, an animated film that, like, I wanted to visit. I wanted to be in that room, and I wanted to play with all those toys, which I don't think I would 
would have gotten if it was a hand-drawn film. And I say that as someone who, like, I love hand-drawn animation, mm-hmm. but what that was doing at that time just so made me want to, like, jump into that screen and just be there. Agreed. Computer animation had to go a very long way to finally, like, assert its legitimacy as a form of animation because there was the time when... Like back in the day when the first Tron came out, when they were dealing with that, they didn't get nominated for special effects because they thought that using computers in that way was cheating. Like we've come a long way. We've come a very, very long way. If anything, Toy Story may have been a, a both a double-edged sword as far as like it, it showed what computer animation can do. And I feel like more people started to take it seriously. And now that's it's, it's all over. Well, we just talked about that with Jurassic yeah. Park though last week where, where you had CGI in that film. That's what I mean. Like, those are, those are, you know, two years apart. Yeah. You had that amazing scenes in Jurassic Park. And now if, if you find an action movie that doesn't have any CGI in it, it's not from this time. Right. Like, but the fact that it influenced live action and animated film mm-hmm. just shows how much of a powerhouse it was and still is today. Yeah. Kenny, uh, what was uh, Jenny's number two? Oh, uh, Fantasia was her oh, okay. Wow, okay, that. yeah, yeah. That is a great movie. You know what? I I'm gonna have to just come clean and admit this. Like, I have not seen Fantasia, and I know it's on Netflix right now. It is. I'm gonna have to go home and watch go for it. it man. Yeah, because I just looking at it, and it's some stuff I did a little bit of quick researching on. It, like, it's a lot of iconic stuff comes out of that for mm-hmm. sure, and I. I Kind of a shame that I haven't seen it. But like Mickey I said, my, with my the Disney, sorcerer's hat, the sorcerer's apprentice. Right. Yeah, that's one right. of the best. Yeah, yeah. My my Disney knowledge is pretty lacking, so that's eh, one of those things. I, mine, I feel seriously. like I it's kind of a necessity to see Fantasia. So yeah, I go check that out. Moving on to Tucson. Well, my number two we've already talked extensively about uh, is Aladdin. Okay, oh. uh, I, I really really enjoy Aladdin. I enjoyed Jafar. One of my favorite. Uh, scenes from Aladdin has to be the escape from the Cave of Wonders. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was one that I really very much enjoyed. Just the entire um, backdrop of all the mountains of gold, and then Abu just tries to like get that one like ruby or whatever. It's like you know you're not supposed to touch that. The eyes too, uh, on, when they're like outside of the cave, yes. are just amazing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, totally, totally, totally awesome. And I love uh, Aladdin. I, I'm kind of. I kind of bummed out. Like in the movies I watched, getting ready for this, I didn't watch Aladdin, and it's not for a lack of trying. Mm-hmm. My my I, I my mom, I know she had a bunch of uh, old Disney movies, and so I called her up. She's like, "I have Aladdin," and like I went over and I picked it up, and it was just a knockoff, like cheap generic version. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I was like, "Wait a minute, this isn't yeah. fucking Aladdin." I was gonna say the was, genie was yellow. This was is like, a triple X parody. <laughs> was it Return of Jafar, the second Aladdin movie, no. where, where uh, Dan Castellaneta, who's the voice of Homer Simpson, really? is the voice of the genie? Wow. Yeah, but in the third movie, Robin Williams came back yeah. because like there was some type of dispute over. Like, oh, he came back for the payday in the third movie. Yeah, yeah, That's he right. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this King was this was Aladdin, but Aladdin was spelled different, and it was oh, made God. by like Good Time Entertainment. Oh my God, <laughs> Good no. Time! Jesus. I was pretty bummed out. So wow. yeah, I, I like I said earlier, I love Aladdin. So yeah. I really want to watch it now. Yep, yep. Pretty I'm not even ashamed to admit this. I love watching all these old. Disney movies. Yeah, the owner of a family video knows that too. <laughs> it's gonna be weird when you're still going back next week and, and getting all the kids' movies. So uh, you uh, <laughs> having, having a kid over or something? You're getting yeah. this for your, for your daughter, your son? No, just for me. <laughs> just for me. <laughs> getting getting the the uh, Power Rangers movie with Ivan Ooze. Oh, oh boy, dude. Yeah. 
that movie's the shit. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually a very, very awful. They're making a new Power Rangers film. I don't know why the fuck they're doing Holy that. Crap. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> fuck it. We already re- remade everything else from the 80s. Why don't we just move on to the 90s? I think I'd be more interested in a Power Rangers movie than most of the other remakes and sequels coming out. Really? Yeah. Okay. So any, anything else on Aladdin? or uh, Nothing much. We've already like drilled that way into the ground. I love Aladdin, so go check it out. Good stuff. All right, Nick. Well, my number two is my first Pixar film oh. on the list, and I'm surprised nobody's even mentioned it before now, but I will do that honor and say my number two is Wally. Uh, huh. I absolutely love Wally, and I don't care about like any of the criticism. And I used to I would say I even used to be the kind of person that said, like, oh, man, the first 40 minutes are amazing and the rest is whatever. But I've even grown to appreciate the entire film as a whole. Like, I just think that the fact that this children's film got made is just kind of amazing. And I agree that the the first 40 minutes is some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen, animated or otherwise, uh, when you just see Wally completely survey that, you know, desolate planet and find these relics of a of a lost uh, civilization. I mean, that really, for me, that kind of speaks to me because, I mean, he's watching, like, clips of Hello, Dolly, and he's finding other stuff. Like, for someone who consumes media, which can be seem trivial to other people, like, it is something that has meaning no matter what you say. And so to see to see this robot literally, you know, collect it all just to kind of hang on to uh, its it's relevant. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's amazing that Pixar allowed this to happen, but I'm so glad it did. Um I really don't think that the film itself gets too preachy, like some people say, when it comes to, like, environmentalist messages, because I'm, like, one of the first people to always kind of, like, hate that kind of thing, but I actually kind of, I'm a fan of the second half as well, when uh, Wally and Eve are kind of... With the fat around. humans? Yeah. Like, I don't know, because th- there's some truth to it. Like, it's, it sounds bad, but, like, the, <laughs> this, there's, this is a society of, I would say, like, and I include myself in that description of, like, gluttonous and, you know, like, uh, greedy fucks. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is something that a child should maybe be told at least once, so I'm, I'm glad Wally did the did that job. But seriously, this is some of the most – It's it's easily one of the most uh, – uh, beautiful Blu-rays I own because Disney always, uh, even if their films aren't like my favorite, they're they're always probably the best looking because they always put 100% into their whole media output. Uh, but it's easily one of the best uh, video presentations I've ever seen. And some of the detail, like it, it's so evident that when we were just talking about Toy Story, like this is the same studio because they, in 10 years, or even more than 10 years, probably like 14 or so since Toy Story, they have improved and they've gotten so far into like detailing that little piece of pebble on that, you know, desolate sand area or whatever that, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily need to animate, but they do. And that's what makes the entire world just come alive. And that that's what, to me, makes the first 40 minutes so, I wouldn't say bearable because I, I like it, but it makes it so watchable because it is like you are watching this robot go through a, a real life, you know, planet uh i i guess just really quickly have you guys have you all seen wally I, yeah i was just gonna say i'm intrigued to tell by this because i admittedly don't know anything about wally okay. and i've also i don't remember a lot of the details i remember yeah. them trying to like plant a uh like a little little sprout at the end it's like something yeah. about like growing cheetos or something yeah it's it's whatever <laughs> they, were you know, re- they were really dumb product I'll, placement I'll, <laughs> yeah. really well dumb. there's a lot of product placement because growing the whole, the whole movie guess, yeah. is 
Wally the character going through and because the whole point is that the earth as we know it has been wiped out because of our bad uh, let's say the way we took care of our planet and Wally is uh, I forget what Wally but Wally itself is an acronym and it stands for like waste something you know because he's going around picking up the you know picking up the trash but then Wally the robot himself has he's a sentient mind so he takes these things like a um what do you call the the paddle ball thing or just any relic that he thinks that is like you know cute or something that he's never seen before he brings it back to his trailer so that he can keep it because it it, it says it says a lot that it's a robot that is making these distinctions not a human being because it's like we ourselves are not able to even see what we have in front of us but a robot can apparently um so that's why i mean the first 40 minutes truly are spectacular and if if you haven't seen it at least go see it for that it's truly like a silent movie basically for the first 40 minutes while um wally and uh, eve kind of fall in love and it's a great soundtrack whatever the the next half of the movie is a little more straightforward but i can understand that because it is a children's film mm-hmm. so how are they not gonna you know add some action into the plot and whatnot. But overall, Wally is my favorite Pixar film because I feel like it's that perfect uh marriage of like an adult sensibility and that's obviously the first kind of half of it, with the more childlike wonder of like the second half with Wally trying to like, you know, uh go through his adventure toward the end of it. I, I honestly I kind of forget what happens in the second half because I, I get so no but I get so enraptured by the first half but it's still beautifully rendered all throughout so it's definitely worth watching. There's some great uh, moments even in the second half like uh, there's a great homage to 2001: A Space Odyssey yeah. that you know like no, no kid is gonna get but when you hear the uh, the strings of uh, bong, yes bong. Um, of that chime in when uh, one of the fat humans getting up and trying to get to the c- control console you know it's, it's it's just that tongue-in-cheek humor that kids will laugh because it's silly, and yet it also has this wonderful relation with cinema history that I just I completely eat up. Intertextuality. Yeah. Was, yeah. wonder how long it took to, to render that movie. I can't imagine. Like <laughs> the, the second half is definitely a little more, I would say, simplistic when it comes to like some of the... You know, like the bubbly humans or whatever. But that that first half, I I have no idea how and, that. And can... you hear sometimes it comes out about how long these projects actually take, and this is like with fields of terabytes yeah. and whatever, all the the possible memory you can yeah. have and use to to render this project. Yep. And they talk about how like it takes two days to do two seconds of the of the you know first scene or whatever. It's like holy shit. Yeah. And the other thing I gotta say is that it's also I think the people who got hung up on the preachy aspects of the film kind of missed the idea that the film is in no way I would say condoning the future of technology because Wally himself falls in love with Eve, who is a very like Apple robot, you know, very sleek, slender, and very simplistic, and and so you, you can't have a love story and say that the film doesn't like one half of the couple. I mean, that just makes no sense. It's just kind of saying how that you one needs the other in order to actually get the most out of each other, and that's what I kind of liked about it. it. It was both something that says we need to change the way we enter our future, but our future itself doesn't have to be a a bad thing. Right. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Wally yet, I, I it's my favorite Pixar film. It's one of the most beautifully animated films I've ever seen, and uh, it's just fantastic. All right, we're moving on to number one on everybody's Ooh. list. 
should be uh, some some good names dropped here, I would assume. Uh, number one on my list uh, has been mentioned already. Uh, it is the uh, the original Toy Story. Oh. Just a beat you to it. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you son of a bitch. In terms of me watching animation, I already you know, told you guys the story about with my brother on the day before Thanksgiving. Instead of going to church, going to see the original Toy Story. Good plan. Yeah, seriously though, like what a great decision that was. Because <laughs> as a kid, I just remember seeing this at the theater and just thinking like wow like this is like we talk about things now with animation and and talk about how when kids first see something or you know when we first see something we're marveled by something and just when you were a kid like seeing this this kind of animation for the first time really anybody was seeing it on that scale it was just incredible to see in the movie theater and obviously it's not just the the visuals in the movie it's the story it's the way that it's told. It's the voices. I mean, they have Tom Hanks as the main character. It's not like they half-assed this movie. Like, they, they went all the way with the characters. And it's the little nuances that make this movie so good. Don Rickles playing fucking Mr. Potato Head is so good. Uh, Wallace Shawn doing the voice of, of Rex is just great. He's Like, you wouldn't think that those two go together, but I couldn't imagine anybody else doing his voice He's now. so good at, like, the insecure dinosaur, yeah. yeah. I like the guy who played the piggy bank too. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, John Rassenberger. Yeah, yeah from Cheers. Yeah, because yeah. he's the the Pixar good luck charm because he's in every yeah, single he is. Uh, Pixar in, film. He didn't yeah, really. Did he show up for Cars too? I'm sure he did. I don't Uh-oh. know what he played, but he's literally. I know. Yeah, I saw he was in Planes. So yeah. No, he's in them all. Like, even if it's a small character. Um, and then Planes is a real thing, isn't it? There's two There's of them. There's a sequel, two yeah. Two of them. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I thought that was a joke. We are that lucky. <laughs> I, thought a, I thought this joke like boats waiting for Waiting for trains next, I'm oh sure. Oh my god. I'm just waiting for segues, to be honest. <laughs> you see it's just me. all it is. It's just these segues right now. <laughs> you oh see my me rolling. <laughs> Someone's going to make that joke. Oh. <laughs> Am I the only one who, because uh, yes. t- Tim Allen played Buzz Lightyear. Hmm. I always think it's George Clooney. Always. Without fail. Yeah, I think it's George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. Really? Am I? <laughs> yeah, I've never, uh, never really never. done that. But he's so wow. perfect because he, and it's the same reason why he was casted for, in my opinion, uh, Galaxy Quest. Because he's got that like William Shatner space vibe where he's almost overacting. But that's because he is he's an over-imaginative toy. Well, during this time, he was also doing lots of cocaine. So that helps too. <laughs> was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tim okay. Allen, big druggy back then. All right. Um, that's another thing I love is the, the little little hints in this movie that if you're a kid, you wouldn't even think about. Although I think I did because I was a huge Home Improvement fan when I was a younger kid. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Sid's tool chest that he has uh, is made by Binford Tools, which is what... Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You never noticed that? Yeah. No, I, no, I never, I've noticed, never that. noticed that. That's you awesome. Either? Wow. Oh, man, it's great. It's even, it's even got the same logo. I've just logo. lost and gained respect for Toy Story right. at the same time. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that final scene, too, and we talked about this at length, actually, during Nick's Week in Review, is just one of my favorite scenes ever. I, I, I feel bad that you don't really like that. It doesn't really like do it I for you. I watch it and I'm like, oh my god, this is horrible. But it yeah. just didn't do anything for no, you. No, no, no. If I can compliment the film, because yeah. I love it. Um, one of the scariest parts of my childhood is honestly, it's watching the scene in which they basically flip uh, Sid when they they have the toys in the backyard. Oh yeah, that dude. Is, that, for dude. first of all, how, how, how do here in 
I'm going to get a little into uh, the the toy uh, toy story mythos. Yeah, the the toy story philosophy here. I don't care how it works; it just works. No, who? And this is talking about my favorite Disney animated film of all time, mind yeah. you. How how do they come to the decision when it's okay for everybody to stop being a toy and oh we we can we can be ourselves around a human now? Well, because the whole point was they were trying to escape, so they had to use their what they could. But that's, they knew that would be the one thing a human would be like, "Whoa, I'm not touching you anymore." Yeah. <laughs> no, I just Yeah, saying, like right. the, it was it was a uh, The whole uh, movie is a tension between humans possibly right. you yeah. know walking in on this. So then what's ironic is that it pays off because then the toys themselves yeah. uh it's almost like they have a power over the humans because yeah. if they do reveal that, then like we see with Sid, ah. you're just never cuz what are you going to go tell another person? Oh, the toys yeah. talk to me cuz they're just going to lay there. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely... That's why that scene was so strong and effective, because yeah. it was the and, first time the human had seen the toys not being toys. And the well, way that he doesn't move his mouth when he's uh, when, mm-hmm. when he's talking. It's just one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. His, his head his spins facial, around and... His facial expressions. Play yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, the whole lead-up to that scene, too, where the different toys are like going through the different parts of the house. The one is in like a light fixture, and the other right. one comes through the drain. Oh, man, that's awesome. So many great things of this of this movie but very I, I, night of the living dead i, I don't i don't know why every, every time i go back to this though uh, something that always makes me laugh every time i watch this movie it's such a little part that has nothing to do with the the movie itself but when buzz lightyear as woody is in the back seat of the or the back of the uh pizza uh pizza planet van and he's like flying around the back Buzz Lightyear is in the front seat putting his seatbelt on <laughs> somehow. <in. laughs> yeah. I don't know how he's able to make that happen. But, um, he's an astronaut, man. I know, but he they didn't out. have seatbelts back in the old west, but they do in spaceships. Uh, yeah, I guess, but oh. this was like a big seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and one last thing about Toy Story, real quickly, and move on to uh, Emily's uh, number one. Uh, is that the the realization that gets so real in that movie to where you have Buzz Lightyear who starts in that movie completely believing that he's a space ranger mm. and he's able by the end to come to the realization that he's in fact not. I want to really quickly interject and tie it, sorry, but back yeah. into something I mentioned earlier. This I feel like the Brave Little Toaster was actually an, in some ways an inspiration for something like Toy Story, which is what happens when you leave the room that your inanimate objects, uh, you know, come to life. And yes, I think Buzz's arc uh, is kind of like I would say uh, very much tied into that idea. And yes, you're right; it does get very real because that's like the moment where I like I now thinking on that film. That's what reminds me of a film like The Brave Little Toaster, in that you have this existentialist, you know, like oh, this is what. I'm four, and, and and that's it. You yeah. are a toy, a child's play <laughs> thing. Yes. Although they do do a nice job, a Pixar does in the movie right after that happens, uh, where he's in the uh, the daughter's uh, the or Sid's sister's room, dressed up in all the Mrs. Nesbitt. Yeah, yes. Mrs. Mrs. Yes. Nesbitt. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think you've had enough team. for now, Buzz. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Buzz, are you okay? Gone. It's all gone. Oh, it's gone. Bye-bye. Who's here? What happened to you? One minute you're defending the whole galaxy. Let's get you out of here, bud. Don't you get it? You see the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> Snap out of it, Buzz. 
I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you're right. I am just a little depressed. That's all. I, I, I can get through this. Oh, and those are another kind of those jokes that I was mentioning earlier, like where like adults are really going to understand what's happening, but it's still silly enough for a yeah. kid to like laugh along. And well done by Pixar, just a wonderful film. And I love, sorry, but I, I love the uh, the shining uh, homages in this film. The, the, <laughs> the carpet, carpet, the yeah. carpet pattern is the same exact carpet pattern because John Lasseter is a very famous uh, fan of the shining itself. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those little things that that's a lot of Pixar films. They always have like a relationship with cinema I was going to say, I love that about Pixar, which I'll get into with my number one, some of the callbacks, but yeah, I love that they do that stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I will say, even though Toy Story 3, which most people unanimously loved, that wasn't oh, my yeah. favorite Toy Story, obviously. It wasn't even my list. You didn't like when they almost died in the hell mouth that was that was that was horrifying for children it had to be have that i told you was, about that was this the brave before? little toaster in a nutshell no have, have i told you about like the the edit that the guy did of toy story 3 that he showed his mom that he actually like took the dvd and Shh. and he made the ending like a smash cut from that scene where they're just about to like go into the molten core and it's smash cuts to the credits and it's like is that it it's like <laughs> yeah that's the that's the ending and it's like that's awful <laughs> It I, was I, my wife who is is always thinking about children when yeah. we watch these movies. Even though we don't have our own, our own kids at all, right. she's always thinking, "Oh my god, there are six year old and five year old children watching this." Really, that scene though in Toy Story three was probably a little too much. Yeah, but, it totally was. Um, I, I love and uh, we we see Sid as he shows up as a garbage man later on in the film, which we talked about in a previous mm. episode. Was a little right. bit of a. Disney's gotten into this and a lot of other yeah. weird moralizing. Yeah, right. a lot of other film has gotten into that which I don't care for at all, but yeah. uh, that was interesting to see him pop up later. But yeah, the original Toy Story is a wonderful film. Uh, I, I don't imagine anyone out there listening hasn't seen it at some point. I like but, all man. three of them, and I can honestly say I'm not even in the slightest bit worried about the fourth one. Like I'm excited for it. I'll I'm be sure happy be to see I'm sure it. it'll be fine. Yeah. When's that coming out? I don't 2018. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, be I mean, it's not like they're, I would say, rushing it, per se. That's Disney. They don't rush anything. Yeah. Well. well Pixar. <laughs> some, something, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I love all three, and, and of course, none of the three made my list, mm-hmm. and yet that's how much I like it, that I would actually be excited about a fourth film, so that yeah. says a lot. I'm looking forward to it as well, but nothing will ever top the first one. I mean, it's on my top of all Disney animation, so big fan at number one on my list. Emily has uh, Cinderella as her number Uh, one. She loved Cinderella growing up. Her her and her friends all had their own Disney princess that they pretended that they were and they dressed up as and whatever. Same. Um, Emily was always into Cinderella and loved Cinderella. Was she a fan of the the Kenneth Branagh uh, adaptation? Her and I both enjoyed okay. it. Um, I was it. It was definitely better than Maleficent. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> a long shot. It didn't have a lot to do to do that for me, at least. But as somebody who loves that movie, she she she, she liked it. Okay. Um, I, I I don't. It was never going to sort of you know catch up with the animated right. version that she grew up with. But you know the original Cinderella. I've seen it quite a few times and. You know, it's especially its themes, as we've brought up earlier, it's a little outdated. Um, but at the same time, uh, for you know, young girls watching it for you know many decades now, a lot of them have watched it and, and grew up to love it. So yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kenny, your number one. My number one, I already gave away part of it, and that it's a Pixar movie. 
unlike the Nightmare Before Christmas, where I realized it formed a lot of what I grew into liking as an adult, this this movie was directly influenced by a passion I already had, and my number one is Cars. Okay. Mm. And it's because I'm a huge racing fan. I just yeah. I love just cars in general. Um, I wow. love. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Wilson. Wow! 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 They, somebody did that. I know. I saw. And, and he says that in like twenty different movies, exactly like that. <laughs> oh wow! 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 wow. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, go ahead. So yeah, the whole NASCAR theme to it. Um, I've I've always had like like a bucket list thing for me to do is to actually travel Route sixty six from start to finish, and so because it's such a heavily themed part of the movie um obviously there's some interest there for me um i i I love the way that they just the car's mannerisms like i it was just absolute like genius the way that they created these cars with like the eyes on the windshield and the bumpers of the mouth and everything and just the way that they talk and do things like the old police car was like sputtering and popping when it was trying to chase him down because he was just old and sometimes like a car will sneeze and it blows fire out the exhaust pipe. And I gotta say, Cars to the Impossible, and it made me actually tolerate Larry the Cable Guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Larry the Cable Guy, actually. I, I think his comedy is, is funny as hell. That's just that's just me. I, I, I buy into that whole like Jeff Foxworthy redneck kind of stuff, which is why I'm such a huge NASCAR fan, you know, I guess. <laughs> you know that's all an act, right? That's yeah, like, yeah, I know. That's what it really sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I know that's a character of his. He's got a but, in uh, <laughs> Queens. <laughs> He does. Um, but that being said, I love the character. I love Larry the Cable Guy. So, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a nice fit to play Mater, or as his company's called, Toe Mater. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the the scene I I always laugh hardest at is when they're tipping the tractors over in the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just every time they scare them and it tips over and then it like farts and blows <laughs> blows smoke out of the exhaust pipe. <laughs> Call it immaturity, whatever. Hmm. Call it what it is, but it just it cracks. I call me. it comedy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, and and I was getting at this point uh, earlier. There are so many callbacks to Toy Story, like unbelievable amounts of callbacks. Like I, as I was looking through the uh, the trivia stuff, as I love to do on IMDb, <laughs> everything down to. Lightning McQueen's number ninety five, like that's the year Toy Story was done. Like the the names on the tires are a throwback to Buzz Lightyear. Can't you uh, find the the ball in Toy Story in every film? Yeah, or nearly every yeah. film. Yeah, like the, Pixar definitely loves right. to interconnect all their films. And at the very end, if you uh, stick through the credits, um, I love when they're at the drive-in and it's a Cars <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's actually more than that. Like I think they do Bugs Life and some other stuff but uh you talk about like a like a uh, like a real touching ending to the movie like it, it's actually got a really good like during the ending credits like to play this brad paisley song that's just yeah. really kind of touching that goes back to the movie and tells like the story of the uh the town and what happened to it radiator springs and everything <laughs> that's something else i want to say is the radiator springs i i love the design of Radiator Spring, like the background in this movie, the entire time is just awesome. And I know there's an attraction out at Disneyland for Cars that I would love to get out and check cars out. Cars has an entire theme park at really? Disneyland, yeah, Cars Land. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> like a big section of the park. Yeah, yeah. 
This so. is this is gonna get really nerdy, but as a TV fan, um, I've been actually wanting to rewatch because I've seen Cars. I've never seen the sequel, but I've seen Cars mm-hmm. when it first came out in the theaters. I haven't seen it since, but I've been re I, I've been watching uh, an old show from the '60s called uh, Route 66 because it's a it's a drama anthology about two guys that are actually traveling Route 66, and every episode was filmed on location as you they told like, me about this before. Yeah. yeah, and they go into an actual town and like that's what that episode's about like they they either help somebody's problem or they liberate a town or whatever but the as you're talking about uh this uh, radiator springs and all that like that's actually this is like the plot of a route 66 episode as far as like you know like moseying on into a an old desolate town and kind of fixing up like what needs to be fixing well i know originally this they were going to call this route 66 but opted not to because of the similarities And I know John Lasseter and, and and one or two other people actually traveled Route 66 and and uh, took notable things and uh, just you know stops along the way or yeah. landmarks and actually it kind of like interwove all of those into Radiator Springs, yeah. which is pretty neat. Um, I actually I had a couple of just real quick like interesting facts about it. Um, like I know this uh, Doc Hudson uh, was played by Paul Newman, which uh, this was his last film, and it actually was like his largest grossing film, which was interesting. It was also George Carlin had a part in it, and it was, his, right. it was his last film yep. as well. Um, this was um, Pixar's last VHS and first Blu-ray, which was kind of interesting. Huh. Um, <laughs> From VHS to Blu-ray, that's right. Quite yeah, jump. just went right there. Which, quick side note, Disney movies in general, I always love those Big plastic cases, the pillowcases. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the white cases. Yeah, I still have those. I just don't have a VCR player anymore. Dude, there was nothing better as a kid than like coming across a Disney collection and all those yep. crazy cases. When you but... turn the uh, before watching those previews that they made you sit through <laughs> on the VHSs, yeah. that like sort of do 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 do. Now available yeah. on VHS. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're we're all gonna run out to see that shit that they were oh, slating yeah. back then. Yeah, like, we already know. <laughs> Return of Jafar. <laughs> um, this movie is also long as shit. Like is it? It, it is yeah. their longest. It's Pixar's longest movie. It's like almost two hours or maybe even just over two hours. Like I always think as I watch it, this, that's a lot to sit through as a kid. Like yeah. I know a lot of Disney movies are like an hour 15 to an hour and a half. And this one, no. This one clocks in right around two hours. It's long for me even. So, But yeah, uh, Cars, I love everything about it. Obviously, it's my number one. And... Um, Many callbacks to my number two, so big winner for me. You're making me want to rewatch it, and I haven't really thought that in quite a while. We've uh, said uh, John Lasseter's name a lot because he's yeah. very influential with Pixar, but a guy who, who I feel like it's pushed the sidelines, who's, who's a really major influence at Pixar is Andrew Stanton, who people usually, yeah, that's true. People usually forget his name, but he was... So, like I feel like John Lasseter's like the like the big name there, but Andrew Stanton, at least early on with Pixar, is a lot a lot of the person who actually made things happen. So For sure. I feel like we should at least mention him on this episode because you know we talk about the earlier films and get, even getting into Cars. I know that he wasn't uh, really involved with Cars as much as John Lasseter was because that's like it was like a passion for him yeah. doing the Cars movie. Right. But Andrew Stanton was such a big part of. Uh, uh, Pixar, especially in their formative years. Yeah. So, so Jenny's number one, which is another 
a favorite of mine didn't make my list, but Winnie the Pooh. Aww. <laughs> like, that's just such a classic. Like, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen it in ages, but everything I remember of it is just, just awesome. It's just such a clumsy, just doofus. <laughs> I, lo- I always love when he got his like hand stuck in the honey jar. <laughs> classic Pooh. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one in uh, unfortunately in quite a yeah, number of years. It's been a hot minute for me for yeah. sure. The special thing about this episode is that it's just reminding me of all the Disney movies I have not seen since I was a child, right. which is a good thing because it means I want to go back and rewatch them. But yeah, as much fun as it was, I said this earlier. As much fun as it was prepping for the show, I'm gonna have just as much fun afterward. I've probably got more movies I want to watch now than I did yep. going into it. So sure, Winnie the Pooh. So. <laughs> My number one, we've already talked about. It's Toy oh. Story. Big surprise. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say that it's my my favorite Disney film, but it, it's definitely the one that that resonates in my mind the most. Like out of all the Disney films, and we've already talked about so much of what made that film so great. But I have to talk about one of my favorite scenes, which still scares the shit out of me, and that's when the toys come alive in yeah. Sid's room. Yeah. Like I used to own like a. Like a baby like, face on the spider. Yeah, the baby yeah. face on the spider. Like I, I owned like a like an art book of of Toy Story when I was a kid, and like there was a two page spread devoted to that baby on the fucking like thing. And whoever did that is a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. It was terrifying. Fuck you, man. Yeah. The, the the legs that walk with the uh, yeah the, the, the legs. Barbie legs yeah. with the fish hook yeah thing. <laughs> holy shit that's frightening too well that, Jesus I, man I said this earlier like I'm not kidding I I feel like I mean I I definitely knew a Sid like you there were always say. the kids that would take toys and take them apart and put them back together in like deformed ways and fucked up ways and you always knew he was gonna grow up to be a psychopath <laughs> <laughs> he's always blowing shit up and like torturing animals and, and, he, and he grew up to be a garbage man. <laughs> Well, yeah. oh man. Well, they—they, they, I feel like maybe they wanted to show that he—he uh, he wasn't a Unabomber or something like that. That's you know? true. Yeah. true. <laughs> what happened to Sid? We don't like to talk about that. Yeah, I, I wish they had a scene like that. He had the death penalty somewhere between the second and third movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh man, death. That's it. I can't. I can't. You, you've got nothing else. I can't muster Number anything else. It. We've already talked so much about Toy Story. It's a. What's it's your? A, you know, we we haven't talked about it because you. We haven't even Kevin. talked about like Randy Newman or I mean, you got uh, a oh, we, we, we don't need to get into that. You don't like you've got a friend. Yeah, I, I like the story, but that's been parodied quite a bit. Well, yeah, no, but I'm years. just saying, like, there are still iconic. Yeah, moments. yeah that, I was actually Toy Story. We haven't talked about. I was going to one thing I totally forgot to mention was his songs yeah. are just like amazingly. That was literally the only thing that actually brought in Randy Newman into like the cultural stratosphere at that time because I never would have known who he was. Is Randy Newman still alive? Yes. Sure. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Sorry. So get that. Um, I was going to interject really quickly. Who yeah. is your favorite Toy Story character? My favorite Toy Story character. Damn. Okay. All right. So my number one on is shut the fuck up. Well, um, come on now. I'd, I'd have to say that my favorite Toy Story character is Slinky. Slinky. Yeah. Really? I like Slinky. Jim Varney? Yeah, Fucking he's... Ernest, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's who, great. Who took over in three? Was it? Somebody who sounds like Ernest? I was going to say, that was actually a pretty so good sad. impression, I yeah. got yeah. to admit. Did you did you watch, and this is really random, but since we got to fill some time here, mm-hmm. you saw it. Uh, did anybody watch the Christmas special that just aired this past yeah, Christmas? Yeah. It was not good. It was okay, I guess. I mean, I still, I'm so excited for four, but that was the detour I did not need. 
What it happened? A, it was a money grab. It was like a weird, like, Toy Story meets the land before time and also Spartacus. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was a, it was like the toys get, get brought to like an, was it a nursery or another person's house or something? And there's a dinosaur there, you know, it's the dinosaur who, um, uh, Christian Shaw voices and, uh. and then they get like thrown into like a gladiatorial games type situation. It's, it's really weird. And huh. it wasn't fun at all. In my opinion, mm. land before time, there's a, there's a throwback. Yeah. Holy yeah. Shit. All right, uh, next. Uh, <laughs> oh, so we're just moving on to me now? Yeah, I guess so. Are you done, Tucson? I, I don't want to take no, a No, I am okay. done. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Well, so I'm the last one, huh? Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm, uh, you know, underneath this extremely gruff exterior. <laughs> I'm a, I know what your number one is. That's why I'm, I'm loving this. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't ruin it. But I am a romantic at heart. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I hear Alex. you laughing. Uh, my number one is actually a film that has been mentioned uh, now, but not on any of your three lists, but actually on Emily's list, yeah. is Beauty and the Beast. Aww. That is honestly the the epitome of what I want out of a Disney film, which is, uh, in my opinion, uh, amazing music. Uh, yes, a, a great love story. At least it's a love story that does try to teach children something good. <laughs> about uh love and you know like what to look out for and that kind of thing and the the guests uh i would say the supporting actors in this voice cast i mean you have people like uh, david Hodgson steers as uh the cogsworth uh you know who i love in mash and just kind of like they're really just kind of yeah you had like angela lansbury and jerry yes. orbach I yeah mean, i mean on. these are people that like i wouldn't expect to be like in a disney animated film and yet that's how i think in a great way like far they were reaching to make sure they got the perfect person which is also tying in back to what we were talking about earlier which is why i'm kind of really excited about that live adaptation of Beauty and the Beast because at least just like the animated film they're repeating the uh, the idea of like you have to cast it we'll perfectly. We'll see about Cogsworth and Lumiere because yeah. they're played by Ian McClellan and Ewan McGregor. I mean I actually think those are pretty I, I want to see what it's going to look like first and then yeah. I'll, I'll pass judgment. I'm, I'm, that's but, what yeah. I mean like I'm not dying to see it yeah. but I it raised my interest more than I ever thought it would. But mm. the original Beauty and the Beast, uh, when I say the original, I mean the Disney movie, not the Jacques Cousteau French movie from 19-whatever, 40 yeah. or 50. But the the original Disney movie is honestly just one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's The, the animation is beautiful. There, there are so many great songs um, that I would say like so economic, wonderfully, I would say like and economically, introduce these characters like the the introduction of Belle when she's going through the town like you know everything you need to know about Belle just from that first song alone and that's also what makes the movie itself so effective I mean when we get to scenes like uh, when the beast doesn't give her a book but he gives her a library you know <laughs> like there, there are little things like that that just work so well because of the 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 ground that uh, the script had kind of laid before that, and it's just a it's just a wonderful film. I mean, it, it's one of those that I really I, I can't even talk about. Like I would say analytically, it's just it's just terrific. There's there's so many songs that I love. I like I said, mentioned earlier, and Toussaint mentioned that like Gaston would be like an, an MRA and men's rights activist. <laughs> you would, yeah. It's so true because that and that's why actually what I think is great about it because I not feel like, all Gastons. Yes, when he's you know talking to Bell, like and he comes off as like this asshole. Like that was actually for the first time maybe in Disney history it was like intentional and not that Disney didn't realize what they were trying to sell to little 
girls and whatnot. But um, there there are so many great songs. I mean, be our guests like that whole sequence. Besides the song itself, but the the visual and whatnot that go with that. That's just one of the best uh, Disney animated scenes I've seen all ever. You're alone and you're scared, but the banquet's all prepared. No one's gloomy or complaining while the flatware's entertaining. We tell jokes, I do tricks with my fellow candlesticks. Put it all in perfect taste that you can bear. Come on and lift your glass. You've won your own free pass to be our guest. If you're stressed, it's fine dining. Out of all of the characters, I mean, Beauty and Beast wasn't on my list, um, but Lumiere is one of my favorite Disney anime characters of all time. I mean, I was like, it it says as much how much I love this film, really quick. Uh, When Disney uh, announced, I want to say I was like maybe, I don't know, 13 or so, but but they were going to release it on DVD, which I still have that copy because I never bought the Blu-ray, unfortunately, before it went back in the vault, but that they were going to add an extra song that um, never got added in the original film, which was uh, Being Alive, I think is the name of the song. And, like, even that song, like, I, I eat that up. Like, just more Beauty and the Beast was just, like, a treat for me because I just I just love that movie that I would absolutely see more of it and I, I want to. And I think also, of course, the one thing we have not mentioned or I haven't mentioned is, of course, the tale as old as time. I mean, that's that sequence in which Belle and the Beast actually finally start to dance and to the, the song Beauty and the Beast is just... One of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. Well, and most people, when they think of Belle, they think of her wearing the, the yellow dress. Where yes. That's really the the only scene in the entire movie where she's wearing the yellow dress. Yes. So, And it's just, and it's for good reason. I mean, it's one of the most iconic things uh, forever. And it's, you, you know I love this movie when I can even forgive the last uh, minute or two. Because, it, you know, as, as progressive as it is, it also tells girls that if you fall in love with a hairy beast, he will turn into a Prince Charming. But... The message itself is still a good message and pure, and I just I, f- I fucking love this movie. It's uh, and it's one of those that I grew to love too, because I I wouldn't say I watched it that much when I was a kid, but it's the one Disney movie that f- I retained from my childhood that I still watch repeatedly at least once a year or so. Yeah. Um, this is something that's really random, but yeah. uh, for some reason we've talked about this kind of golden age quite a bit, where it'd be Beauty and Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. These were like Disney's animation at least before pixar came around like this is their golden age was in like the the early to mid to late 90s and i just remember for some reason when i was a little kid at pizza hut they had the beauty and the beast like these like plastic these shitty plastic characters of them and i remember i collected all of them and i just yeah for some reason i remember that i remember the the chip is the little yeah the little cup little right he's cup. got the little yep yeah the chip in his cup oh. <laughs> oh. um wow. but and i hate Jesus to point <laughs> i hate to point towards a award show because even i don't give a shit but i do think it means something it, it, not so much that it means something in the grand scheme of things but it is telling that this is the only animated film to ever be uh nominated for best picture and 
Well, I'm just saying, like, I, I think well, it's a testament. Up, up was nominated for a Best Picture, too, up wasn't was? it? Yeah, I think oh, okay, so. I didn't realize that. But that, I guess, was, that was when they moved to 10, though. That count yeah, I was going to say, it's not like it really counted, but no. Okay, <laughs> uh, besides Up, but obviously in uh, when it came out and whatnot, like, that's how good this film was, and and how I would think trans, uh, or I would say universal its themes were, and the way it resonated with both uh, children and adult audiences. I mean, as a kid, I almost, I, I liked it, because I liked the songs, and I liked the, you know, the colors or whatever, but I didn't really start to really gravitate toward the actual story and, and these characters until I started growing up a little bit, and I started to see like the value it had in, in, in life and whatnot. And I'm totally agreeing with you. I'm just going back to what we were talking about, about being yeah. nominated for Best Picture, is telling when they moved to 10 that yeah. Uh, two out of three years uh, up, and then Toy Story three was also not made uh, for Best Picture so, too. Yeah, best. Yeah, so I, I do think this was like the purest as far as like, I totally agree when it comes to like animation. Back when they only had five, yeah. like, how it should be like somebody <laughs> actually you know paid attention to what Disney was doing, and and this is kind of the this is like the gold standard for me when it comes to like watching a Disney animated film in these days. It's do I like it as much as Beauty and the Beast, which I'm not saying it's like a good scale or anything like that but I can't help it because that's how much I like this film so I don't know if, if there's nothing else to say but uh, we've hit on a lot of good stuff here I feel the same as I did after the superhero episode yeah. I feel like we've hit on a lot of lot of Disney movies a lot of movies that we probably didn't think we were going to be talking about but they've been brought up and a lot of things about Disney animation in general that we've hit on and from you know Walt Disney's time to present time i think we've hit on a lot of good stuff and um to the listener if you have a top six list we'd love to hear what it is and i mentioned we're going to be doing a a listener mailbag on our inside out episode next week for the first time we're going to do a uh, listener mailbag so if you have a top six yeah please uh uh, animation list please do uh send it to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com and you also you can uh find us on uh, film tank on filmtankshow.com that's where you can find our episodes and you can also find them on iTunes as well and as of right now that's where uh, filmtankshow.com our our home of course that's where you can find all of our episodes because we now have started to accumulate quite a few episodes that's true we are starting to uh, like our some of our very first episodes are starting to drop off the iTunes rotation. So, yes, if you are looking for all of ours, you can find it at filmtankshow.com for sure. And if you want to get hold of us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can find us there. At Film Tank Show. That is correct. Very well done, sir. Uh, and um, also, since we do love doing these top six episodes, that uh, we did the uh, superhero one in April and we honestly couldn't wait to do our second one. If you have a suggestion for what you think our next top six episode would be, we'd love to uh, hear from that from you as well. So from uh, myself, Alex Diegman, Kenny Marcellus, Toussaint Egan, and Nick Cheney, we will catch up with you next time here on Film Tank. Akuna Matata, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>